0: Coming up on this episode of Belief Hole.
1: He is the guy, the Count of Saint-Germain, shrouded in mystery, even in historical texts. With this character, it takes you into the idea of the masters of the hidden brotherhood, which is this council of light that guides humanity through time and basically is there in key moments to push people in certain directions. For good or ill, for the good of humanity, according to according them. According to them, that has never sounded right, good, though. <laughs> right, we'll get there. We'll get there. Sacrifices must be made. <laughs> this harkens back to the enigmatic, mysterious figure of the signing of the independence, who, in his speech, made references to the Great Seal, the Eye of God, these things that would come to pass as being symbols of America. Is this the symbols of this ancient brotherhood carrying through the Freemasons, the Rosicrucians, right. that supposedly our Count Saint Germain was a part
0: of? <laughs> A woman had in fact leapt from his balcony. She was terrified. The woman ranted that she had jumped to escape St. Germain, who had bitten her neck. Well, that all sounds made up.
1: That sounds nothing like the Count de St. Germain that we had discussed all the time. That's true. He traded his grass-dew elixir of life for yeah, prostitute blood. <laughs> prostitute blood. It totally changes his character
0: as far as like he was a charming guy who... Well, he was a char. He charmed her and then he bit her. But alchemy. I mean, is there any truth to this, though?
1: Well, if you look at the alleged reincarnation of this guy in the 1970s, you can watch YouTube clips of him doing alchemy. He later killed himself in a van. Okay, well, now you're (laughs) jumping the gun here. (laughs) So the question is, who was this guy? Was he... Just another part of the Continental Congress, some guy they didn't recognize that was shrouded in mystery because he hadn't showed up enough for anyone to know who he was. That seems unlikely. What does seem likely, as I would put forth, <laughs> is that he was likely an immortal Freemason vampire Yes. shuttled mm-hmm. over the oceans by Benjamin Franklin. It's
0: not a, that far of an idea. Right.
1: No. And as we will suggest here, it's damn likely.
0: It's most likely. Yeah. Yeah. Conspiracy.
1: Synchronicity, sesquatch homunculus, alien races, mm-hmm. Satanism in Hollywood, MK
0: Ultra, Tartaria. There's like a whole. I've been watching this one guy. That, Close the door, is jury. Close your door. What's the, uh. Inner Earth Disagreements.
1: Ghost Dad! <laughs> I like that movie. Dogman. Bohemian Grove. Cory Felt. Magicians are demons. Spectres. Spirits. spirits. Sleep. Paralysis. Strange disappearances. Sky whale
0: phenomena. Yes. Alternative history. Shadow people.
1: Shh, quiet. I'm trying to say words with the mouth.
0: It's getting dicey out there. Poltergeists. Oh, that's cool. Anunnaki. What is the moon? <laughs> Elf Towers. I would never talk about That's old. Y-2-K. Cover-ups. Apocalyptic. Catastrophe. Vampire. 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 Well, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Believe Hole. I'm Jeremy. I'm Chris. John. We are here for your entertainment solely.
1: And your, well, also your education, right? You could argue that. Yeah. We're mostly here to help your soul ascend.
0: Yeah, that is actually the main reason we're here.
1: We are all about <laughs> Ascension. John the Ascender. Remember when you thought that was going to be your We've destiny? Talk about this.
0: <laughs> We've talked about this. John is Multiple no longer times. here.
1: See, what happened was... I still was, think it could happen. It, I think it did happen. In 2012, what happened is your soul ready for Ascension has
0: left us, and we're left with this husk. I know. this Husk is, of a soul. This is kind of like a portion of what I used to Yeah, be, we got a bum right? deal. The good stuff left,
1: and we got the guy who's still working on stuff.
0: Right? Isn't that the theory of ascending? <laughs> it's are fighting words. no. I mean, then what's the point of me being here that's if all the good parts are gone? Well,
1: the good part got to go, but then there's another fraction that's still got to like get through it. Yeah, we have oh, to suffer through right, that guy. Yeah, Le- we are all the leftovers that have to level up to the asc- next ascension, which yeah. is coming.
0: I'm here to help. That's what we're saying. It's coming today. Today you will ascend. If you ascend, the first thing I'm doing is parkour. Oh really? <laughs> Wait, what? If I ascend, that's I mean, I meant to say me.
1: Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, I thought you meant like if we left, you'd have a lot of more free time. we not doing the show, so you would just really learn parkour. If I
0: died. And I went to heaven. I would do parkour first thing, <laughs> like high five Jesus, like past the gates See, I'll catch up with you later. If anyone doesn't know what parkour is, look up storer.
1: I think everybody knows. Did you? you you've known what it is, I've right? Known you didn't it just find out. No, no, no. Okay, but I've like I,
0: I've watched hours of it at this point. That
1: is interesting. It is one of those <laughs> things you get into
0: and you just like watch and watch. And it's watch. amazing. It blows my mind what they're capable yeah. of. With their bodies.
1: I used to watch those when I was living with you in Austin in 2012, and I used to watch them thinking, like, I can, I can do it. Like, I can <laughs> learn.
0: And I started to, like, you know, I started to, I learned the roll. I learned the tuck and roll thing. <laughs> it's an aggressive, like, hands-on, raw sport yeah. being done by, like... Perhaps by immortals. Immortality. They seem immortal. Like, the, what they're doing, like, you, you just look at them... I was going to tie it into the episode. Sorry. Like, you know, no, go do. ahead. No. You're
1: excited. I want to hear more.
0: I just... I think about how they, this is all they know, you know, and there's all they, they're, and they're, they're born and bred mean? on
1: parkour. <laughs> Didn't go to school. No, no. I mean like,
0: like it's just so natural for them right. when they're doing it, you know, like this is just the way bodies move. Oh, right, right. Right. But like, you it know, it looks, it looks easy. They make they do it, it look so, well. so right. easy. And, but then I'd like the, it'll contrast with like an old person walking by and they'll be like, Oh, that's amazing. And you just imagine this woman is just like, when she was young, no one thought that was could, could be, yeah, could potentially yeah, exist, you know. Yeah, right. That was as far away as the iPhone when she was like 15. That old, well, woman. it's funny because you, your body, <laughs> that old, that old, her, that old lady, that poor old lady's body had the technology, she but there was no was technique.
1: Poor. There was no technique. Poor, she's poor in spirit because she can't parkour. I think that's valid. I think you but can see poor say in that. body, not in spirit. She could be a
0: king of spirit. Yeah, Chris. Her no, I, mean,
1: I think if you can't parkour, you're pretty sad. What aren't you? spiritually I'm speaking o- i'm okay you're right yeah you're, you're i, right. I, I hang can hang just watch there.
0: and enjoy it but okay anyways, anyways that was a little bit of a detour
1: well actually it ties right into our episode
0: immortality
1: yeah it is getting close to fourth of july yes right it is yes yeah. yeah. so i i wanted to do something related to the founding of the country right we're celebrating the independence from Britain, yada, yada, our freedoms, et cetera, et cetera. And
0: oh, very good right now, too.
1: Yeah, we're all doing great in that department. <laughs> but uh, first we thought, like, colonial. What's colonial conspiracy mystery, you know? And then we thought Roanoke, Ugh. right? The lost colony of Roanoke. This amazing historical mystery, which I've been fascinated with for decades. So we're all prepped to do the show. We're working on it, researching it. And the most interesting tidbit was coming across... The famous word carved on the tree, if you, if you guys aren't familiar with it, Roanoke was a colony, the first colony from Britain that came over, established on Roanoke Island. And long story short, the guy, John White, who led the group over, planted them there. They ran out of supplies. he had to go back to Britain. Uh, this is, I'm paraphrasing here. But yeah. essentially, he came back <laughs> three years later because he got stuck, couldn't get back. There was a war going on. There a war going on with Spain. Anyways, he comes back. The whole village is gone. There's no sign of distress. Weapons are found untouched. Uh, farm implementations just instruments just left abandoned on the ground. Left yeah. abandoned. All the buildings were intact. Some were uh, carefully dismantled, but there was no sign of invasion or anything. There was one word on a tree carved. Croatoan. Croatoan, and another word on another tree was just the letter C-R-O, which is so someone obviously didn't have the aptitude to carve the whole word in or the motivation. It's one word. You know, you start on a piece of paper, you're writing happy birthday, and you want to do like all caps and you get to like happy bur... And you're like, ah, oh shit. Exact, it's exactly back. like that, Chris. <laughs> Anyways, long story short, the word Croatoan, what's fascinating about it was uh, a ghost ship that crashed into Hatteras Island. The last word on the manifest was the word Croatoan. And Hatteras Island was previously known as Croatoan Island. And it was all these myths about the word Croatoan. The last breath breathed by Edgar Allan Poe was the word Croatoan on his deathbed. Yeah, there were several things that that made the story more fascinating. I mean, it's already interesting because it's a lost colony. To this day, it's still a mystery. But yeah, there was always sprinkled into the story that, uh, you know, Edgar Allan Poe was mumbling Croatoan when he disappeared and came back and was dying. It was his last words. Right. Amelia Earhart in her diary, last word in her diary was the word Croatone, the logbook of a ship that crashed.
0: Anyways, it's all bullshit. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, this isn't the show we're doing. No, no, no. It sounded interesting.
1: Yeah, it was fascinating, and that was the exciting thing about it, but I guess the moral of the story is, I traced that back, it was, it's was it been published in a book by John Land, it's this like fiction book, uh, some other stuff. History Channel wrote about it, it's been in YouTube videos. I find the original source, it's some blog uh, called Ghost Cities, and the guy had written this really good write-up about the Lost Colony of Roanoke, but then he added that at the end, which was all these bizarre connections with the word Croatoan. Because essentially, it sounds like it was just creative license, he made it up, but since then, in 2011, people have repeated it on YouTube videos, on the History Channel, and now it's just become like this fact about Roanoke Island, or the Lost Colony of Roanoke, unless you look into it and you find out, it seems like someone just made that up and there's no verifiable source. Because the last words of Edgar Poe was, uh, Lord help my poor soul, not Croatoan. So like the one thing that was mysterious and supernatural about that story seems to not be. But I do want to say it's still a mysterious story because we don't know exactly what happened. Most people think that they left for the island Croatoan, which is why they wrote it on the tree, because there's a (laughs) tribe there that they were friendly with with the same name. They were told by uh, John White to leave X's on the trees. cross, Maltese right. cross.
0: So it's just them leaving a trail to the, another tribe. It, it, that's what most people believe. Seems that's pretty what straightforward that they would have
1: integrated with that tribe. And then that's why later there's been accounts of coming across blonde-haired uh, natives with blue or gray eyes that right. must have been integrated from previous English colonies. Right. There's definitely still some interesting things about, um, you know, like why leave all your tools and weapons? Why not bring those with you to the new island? But for sure, the, the idea Maybe of the they word... didn't
0: take all of them. Maybe they just took a portion of. That's them. true.
1: I mean, you, maybe a lot of people just they, they didn't find any bodies either. That was part of the big mystery. No bodies. Right. Um, but you know, obviously, like over time, people have embellished the story. It's been mixed with fiction. Stephen King had a great book about it called um, "Crap." I can't remember the, the name of the book right it. now. No, it was not. It, <laughs> it was not. It, it was um, "Misery." Oh, uh, "Storm of the Century,"
2: which oh, basically is about this
1: small uh, New England town, and this guy shows up, kills somebody in the town, and he's in jail. And while he's in there, people start dying. He starts showing up in people's dreams. Basically, you find out he's a demon, this ancient demon whose name I think is Croatoan, and he was oh, he was responsible right. for the disappearance of the colony because what he did to the colony, he did the same to this New England town, which was, uh, give me one of your children to take as my apprentice to go, basically, be a you know wandering demon, or I'm going to walk <laughs> you two by two into the sea never to be seen again. It was kind of like that. that's what they spoiler did. Spoiler
0: right? alert. So he just wanted him. He just wanted someone to mentor. Exactly. do like, just you don't want know, to teach someone how to demon. Right, if, if you
1: don't want to know, <laughs> plug your ears. But his whole town voted for this demon guy to take his son. They all voted against him, including his wife. So Ouch. like at the end of it, they divorce. And he ends up seeing his son like 15 years later in like San Francisco with this demon just walking down an alley. And uh, that's like the end of the book.
0: Well, I hope no one wants to read the book. Well, I said spoiler alert a couple of times, so... Uh, you really needed a strong spoiler.
1: Anyways, as we tangle ourselves in the weeds and walk into the, the woods of this episode, uh, I wanted something a little more uh, supernatural, right? Mm-hmm. Another kind of supernatural, colonial sort a of intrigue. Yeah, some sort of tidbit that goes to the heart of the founding of the country because that's what our show is. It's, it's the bizarre. It's the the compelling, mysterious uh, aspects to our world. So what, if anything, happened at the beginning of our country? So I remember hearing a story about a mysterious figure at the signing of the Declaration of Independence, a figure that had he not been there, the declaration may not have been signed. Mm. So this story I heard was echoing my brain and I looked more into it. We're going to recount it here in a moment, but to set it up, this is the Continental Congress. I think it was the second gathering or, or whatnot to sign the Declaration of Independence, to break the chains of Britain and say, we are no longer your, your servants. We are an independent nation. This idea of, of liberation, of freedom, freedom of thought. Well, freedom from tyranny from England. Right, freedom of, of a taxes. Mar- taxes. monarchy rule, like all these things. We all actually
0: these... left for less taxes then than we have now, right? Which is insane, yeah. yeah. That's a whole other topic. That's a whole <laughs> other show. But
1: true. But anyways, all of these people, you have you know Jefferson, Adams, Benjamin Franklin, the original founders and the, all of these people... Sitting in this room, deciding, okay, if I put my name to paper here, if I ink my John Hancock, which is where that term comes from, because he's the first to sign largest signature on the Declaration. Really? Uh, yeah. I don't know if John Hancock was the first to sign, but he signed the largest. Like, if you look at the Declaration of Independence, John Hancock is huge.
0: I think he was because... <laughs> That's a weird phrase to put together. <laughs> Hancock is huge. Yes. Well, in
1: my mind, it was like, if he was the first to sign... You know, it's like when you, when you're signing like a birthday card or you're writing a letter, <laughs> you, you start bigger. A- all right. And then you get slower it's and slower. It's what we just talked about with Croatoan. You don't know how much room there is until you get to the end of the exactly. thing. Yeah. It all ties together, man. Anyways, you're in the room, right? Mm-hmm. I, imagine in post, the music's going to come back in here. So you're in the room. You're wondering, are we going to survive this? We are essentially committing treason against the crown, right? Right. If we lose the war, we're all going to hang. Exactly. If there is a war, which there most likely will be, we, our names are written Can you imagine in
0: how intense that would be? So terrifying. We live in such a
1: sheltered, warm, like, sack Cocoon, of... Cocoon, embryotic fluid of a country
0: right now. <laughs> I know. visual.
1: Go ahead. Uh, anyways, now I'm sleeping. So you're so you're in this <laughs> you're in this scary non-embryotic kind of space with uh, all these other old men. Yeah, no air conditioning. Young sure. men, mix of people. People uh,
0: willing to die.
1: People willing to die sign their name, but they weren't initially. This is the supposition, is that people were concerned. There was back and forth. Well, there's talk of scaffolds and gallows and uh, gibbets or whatever. Gibbets. Gibbets. Yeah, has uh, a thing. I don't know what it means. Yeah, but gibbets were a uh, they're a gallow that you would, when you would hang someone uh-huh. and you'd leave them as a warning. Hanging on the street. Like, Ooh. do oh, not yeah. cross yeah, us. Yeah.
0: Anyways. That's a gibbet?
1: That's a gibbet. Wow. Yeah, interesting, right? It is interesting. I had to look that up. A warning like Vlad Dracul would do when he put people on pikes. Exactly. I've been piked! There's a vampire connection. Get ready for some vampiric action. in this one. Anyway, so you're in this room and no one's sure. Like, there, there's people that are ready to sign, a lot of people that are hesitant. And what happens? According to lore, according to multiple accounts in history, the interesting mystery folklore of the founding of our country, or the declaring of independence... Two accounts that are probably the most well-known. Firstly, the account from George Lippard from 1847 in his book, Washington and His Generals, or Legends of the Revolution. This comes from there. But more recently published in 1920, The Secrets of All Ages. You may have heard of this, John. This is Manley P. Hall. Sounds familiar. So he is one of the most referenced Freemasons, authors, is he a Freemason himself, or is he just researching Freemason societies? He's a Freemason. Okay. Um, he became a Freemason later in life, but he had written many, many works leading into that, into like ancient mysticism and esoteric orders. Is he Friends with Grandpa? Probably knew Grandpa because they all <laughs> know each other. Uh, that's that's the story
0: for another time. What was it? How
1: high did he get in the order of Mason? thirty-three degree? What? He's a 33, really? thirty-three degree. Mm-hmm. Oh wow!
0: That's as high as it goes, right? No. Well, that's the See, thing. This,
1: the, well, what? To pay, yeah. This, <laughs> so we, this this could have been a whole episode on Masons because this gets. Into the interesting connections between Freemasonry, Rosicrucianism, the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, the Bavarian Illuminati. Yeah, There's- we will do a full episode on this because it really, I was not expecting this with this topic, with a certain character that we're about to pull the curtain back on. But with this character, it takes you into the idea of the Council of Light the masters of the hidden brotherhood, which is Blavatsky, which is Theosophy, which is a whole interesting idea that there is this Council of Light that guides humanity through time, and basically is there in key moments to push people in certain directions. Let me get back to for good or ill. Well, they well, would it's say it's for good. arguable. They would say for good, but it's, for their good or for the good of humanity, according to according them. According to them, but that it's, made, it's, you it's should, made. That has never sounded right, good, though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. So Sacrifices me, must be made. Let me get back to <laughs> Philadelphia. I feel like this is like this. This one story is trying to birth itself. So they're all there in the Continental Congress. They're debating whether to sign. And then suddenly a man stands up, a mysterious figure who gives the final speech encouraging people to sign during the moment of hesitation. Right. Lynn, let's go ahead and read. In Manley P. Hall's work, The Secret of All Ages, he references having read this, even though it's published after an earlier published account by George Lippard, in his account he says that he actually was shown this information from another theosophical society with the documents before any congressional record was put into place oh, wow. early american speeches right uh, curiosities of history but regardless the point is this is the story and this has been noted in several different places whether it's fact or fiction is yet to be seen but this is believed by different historians and especially theosophists and, right. and freemasons etc let's hear it yeah okay so this comes from manly p halls the Secret Destiny of America, which uh, shares a lot of uh, insight into the uh, Freemasonic, Rosicrucian secret society influence on the founding of America. The hidden hand, Bright. So in the old state house in Philadelphia, a group of men were gathered for the momentous task of severing the last tie between the old country and the new. It was a grave moment, and not a few of those present feared that their lives would be in forfeit for their audacity. In the midst of the debate, a fierce voice rang out.
0: Gentlemen, hear my plea.
1: The debaters stopped and turned to look upon the stranger. Who was this man who had suddenly appeared in their midst and transfixed them with his oratory? They had never seen him before. None knew when he had entered, but his tall form and pale face filled them with awe, his voice ringing with a holy zeal. The stranger stirred them to their very souls. His closing words rang through the building.
0: God has given America to be free.
1: As a stranger sank into a chair, exhausted, a wild enthusiasm burst forth. Name after name was placed upon the parchment. The Declaration of Independence was signed. It was done. But where was the man who had precipitated the accomplishment of this immortal task who had lifted for a moment the veil from the eyes of the assemblage and revealed to them a part, at least, of the great purpose for which the new nation was conceived. He had disappeared, nor was he ever seen again or his identity established. Secret man with a secret plan. So this man, and John, if you want to just, I just grabbed a couple bits from his actual speech that you could give. So as I said, they're all wondering, they're waiting before the speech is given. They're debating, there's gibbets, there's scaffolds, there's gallows they have to worry about. They're concerned, they're going back and forth. So Manly P. Hall continues. This is an excerpt from the actual speech, supposedly.
3: Gibbets! They
0: may stretch our necks on all the gibbets in the land. They may turn every rock into a scaffold, every tree into a gallows, every home into a grave. And yet the words of that parchment can never die! good that was great sign that parchment sign if the next moment the gibbet's rope is about your neck sign if this next minute this hall rings with the clash of falling axes sign by all your hopes in life or death as men as husbands as fathers brothers sign your names to the parchment or be accursed forever Sign and not only for yourselves but for all ages. For that parchment will be the textbook of freedom, the Bible of the rights of man forever. I would implore you to remember this truth. God has given America to be free.
1: The unknown speaker fell exhausted into his seat. The delegates, carried away by his enthusiasm, rushed forward. John Hancock scarcely had time to pen his bold signature before the quill was grasped by another. It was done. So who was this yeah. guy, right? So the idea is, according to the different authors and, and Manley P. Hall from his reading of the original records, supposedly, was that no one knew who he was, where he came from, right? So how had he entered the locked and guarded room? This is a very important time. You know, you don't want people sneaking in there and just listening, especially because right, you're signed, committing treason. Committing treason, so it's locked, it's guarded. This man appears, and no one knows who he is or where he came from. No one claimed to have seen him before, and there's no mention of him after this uh, single instance. Um, but what's interesting is Manly P. Hall points out that there are some clues. He does mention in his speech, we'll have the whole speech in our show notes, he mentions the all-seeing eye of God, right? Which Ooh,
0: very Freemason Yeah, afterwards symbology. that appears... Is that of God?
1: That, mm-hmm. Well, That's, yeah. the, the that's ma- what
0: their interpretation of it Masonic is. Masonic idea is yeah. the, the eye of God, right? the all seeing eye the all-seeing is the eye, eye of god
1: mm-hmm. there's a lot of christian uh symbology the blend of like a christian mysticism and uh old gnostic so ideas so all the, but-
0: the, the eyeball that you see all the time now that people yeah. link to the illuminati is that is that the same yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's
1: a, yeah but it depends on your interpretation of course like do you trust the freemasonic
0: or maybe it's view? satan
1: well, if you look at the history, if you look at like in which this took us down a path on I mean, that we can't go down today, but you take this back to Freemasons, the Rosicrucians, um, all the way back to – I can't remember the first – the very first mention of this stuff. But yeah, it goes back to – The least, Templars predated the, the Rosicrucians. Right, at least the the Western version of this. It starts with Christianity and an emerging of this sort of clandestine group – it seeks to kind of merge ancient ideas with Christianity. Right. So this brings us to our next point here, the that eye, right, in Freemasonry, but also, of course, in a lot of other uh, symbology. And you, what well, you're talking about, the connection of these, the theosophical idea, which was like the Rosicrucians and going back to the Christian Gnostics. And Manley P. Hall points out, he suggests that this person that appeared here was working on behalf of this, in his idea, a benevolent order. Uh, he says the all-seeing eye of God, which was afterwards to appear on the reverse side of the great seal of the new nation, right? We see that on the back of the dollar bill, right? The floating pyramid cap, capstone with the eye. Uh, There is much to indicate that the unknown speaker was one of the agents of, quote, the secret order, guarding and directing the destiny of America. Mm. So this comes from his book, The Secret Destiny of America, which a lot of people point to as evidence of this infiltration of, some would say the Illuminati, the Bavarian Illuminati through the the Scottish free-right masons, to influence the destiny of America, which is why you see like George Washington. uh, I think I heard somewhere that him or other founders at the time had reported that there was a corruption happening of Freemasonry, that it was a brotherhood, but there were influences that were starting to corrupt it. We could do a whole episode on that. I don't know that much about that aspect of it. But according to Manly P. Hall, there was definitely this influence that brought this to bear in the New World, in America, and the United States. Right. And wasn't it initially Manley P. Hall's work? Didn't he discover that this was an idea that started in ancient Greece, that there would be this new Atlantis, this right. new that America and then they saw the opportunity America will be this new Atlantis, a place where there can be democratic rule instead of monarchs. Right. So Actually, there
0: was it's a constitutional republic, right?
1: Right. But the idea of the, well, de- republic- the democracy, that came out of ancient Greece. And the- well, yeah, Plato, Atlantis was the idea of the republic. Right. I think in Plato, the Atlanteans were evidence of a civilization that had hubris and grew uh, too egotistical, fought, right. fought the great republic of ancient Athens, and then was destroyed, and the gods buried him in, in the ocean, right? To that point, Manly P. Hall did believe that the ancients knew about the Western Hemisphere way back before supposedly you know, Christopher Columbus. And he talked about the Phoenicians, which we're talking about now, that made it here to the United mm. States. Anyways, yeah, so he did believe, and then a lot of his writings talk about this basic idea that the ancients knew about the Western Hemisphere, right? And that the new world, in his words, of an illuminated civilization, mm-hmm, right? You get key that word. Illuminati idea, um, was the goal of these ancient civilizations. And one interesting uh, anecdote that I just grabbed here was uh, he says, there can be no doubt, and this goes back to our ancient tech, that, we, that episode we did on ancient technology. Yes. 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 Uh, <laughs> There can be no doubt that the existence of a great continent in the Western Hemisphere was known to the ancient Greeks and also to the Egyptians and the Chinese. It is nothing short of foolish to assume that the ancients lacked ships sufficiently seaworthy to navigate the large oceans. Long before the Christian era, the older civilization had constructed boats far larger and more seaworthy than any of the vessels used by Columbus. One of the Ptolemies of Egypt built a ship large enough to have an orchard of fruit trees on the deck, together with swimming pools and fountains stocked with live fish. I want that cruise. So yeah. imagine like a massive island ship. acre-long ship. So the question is, as we get ready to take a break here, because I think it's about time for a break, who was this guy? Was he just another part of the Continental Congress, some guy they didn't recognize, that was shrouded in mystery because he hadn't showed up enough for anyone to know who he was? He was kind of a loner. That seems unlikely. What does seem likely... Uh, as I would put forth, <laughs> is that he was likely an immortal Freemason vampire Yes, shuttled mm-hmm. over the oceans by Benjamin Franklin. It's
0: not a, that far of an idea. Right.
1: No. And as we will suggest here throughout the course of this episode, uh, it's damn likely. It's most likely. Yeah. So stay tuned, guys, because that's what's coming up. We're going to talk about- i excited uh, for that. Well, the guy we're going to talk about coming up after the break, uh, in a lot of ways, sounds like the inspiration for Lestat, actually, from Interview with the Vampire.
0: I do like the idea of like France. colonial vampires. That's it's creepy. A, yeah.
1: it's And what's weird is like, you know, it's all fiction, right? I mean, we see these movies and stuff, but- Allegedly. There is some weird connections coming up with the guy we're going to be talking about who a lot of people have suggested was this mysterious figure who was believed to be immortal at the time.
0: Quick question. Yeah. Do you think vampires are real? Like not just people that drink blood, but like the Actual mythical kind that undead live vampires? forever?
1: I always thought it was a fantasy, right? <laughs> And Ridiculous, I change your mind. I loved uh, the vampire slayer growing up as a kid because I was nerdy. Yeah, get did. to the point, but we've talked about the, the drinking of blood, right? The royals, the idea of like uh, energy you know, feeding vampires. off blood of the yeah. youth to enhance their health. You know, uh, we're gonna get into the very next episode, we're gonna get into some uh, recent developments in using the blood of the young to help the older people stay. Fit. But this goes back to that vampire right. saga, right? That, yeah. that mythology, and it carries it forth is today. interesting,
0: it's not quite the immortal. But it keeps them young to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. That's so creepy, dude. Because there is stuff coming out about that now. Like I remember a couple of billion. Is it Peter Thule? Oh, Thule? He's a billionaire, but he he runs like a company that. Uh,
1: oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they they they're, they're don't like blood donations, right?
0: on actually using blood to rejuvenate. Oh, the Pettit Institute.
1: Peter Thule, the Pettit Institute.
0: Is that what it is?
1: For bioengineering and bioscience. Sounds like it'd, that'd be the guy.
0: Probably. It probably is.
1: Uh, well, yeah, lipids, metabolism, lipids in the blood.
0: I mean, I remember reading an article where he was directly involved in harvesting blood as ways to regain youth. Yeah. Well, yeah, I
1: mean, that's that's on the forefront of science right now is how to use the blood of the youth. Now I mean, we'll get we'll get into it's all it. science. So right, it's not. Well, I mean, it's, bad. it depends on how you look at it. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, I it used to be you bathe in blood. You were this monster queen that or whatever. Matt, what is like it? Amboviri. Bo- no, that was a <laughs> fictional character uh, who was Adam terrible. Bovine? You're talking about uh, Bathory. Bathory, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She was eventually beheaded because she had killed, like, I don't know how many hundreds, hundreds of uh, young women in her area oh uh, and just bathing, in their blood. And she was a rich, <gasps> she was a royal. Oh my you know? gosh, that's t-
0: horrifying.
1: Yo, st- have you not heard the story? No. Oh my God, she is the devil incarnate in my mind. She killed hundreds she of women? She would just bring women as like to become her servants. And then she would use the virgins. And then she would use them to basically make... Uh, you know, bubble bath water and just bathe so in their blood.
0: Have a guard come in and like slit Yeah,
1: I'm not sure the technical details of it, well, but. that's uh,
0: that's even more horrifying, the yeah. technical details of how that right. actually works. Well, would when happen. people do. Bathory
1: has been labeled by Guinness World that's Records. That's where you get Bloody Mary from, I think. Or wait, or is that? That might be Marie Antoinette. That's horrifying. So this comes from Wikipedia, but it's a basic idea of uh, The so most prolific disturbing. female murder. Though the precise number of her victims is debated, Bathory and four collaborators were accused of torturing and killing hundreds of young women between 1590 and 1610. There is no hard evidence about the whole murder case. The highest number of victims cited during Bathory's trial was 650 women. However, this number comes from the claim by a servant girl named Susanna that Jacob Silvassi, Bathory's court official, had seen the figure in one of Bathory's private books. The book was never revealed, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, she killed a lot of people. Uh, Gross. Yeah, but basically she, in this supposedly... That's a demon. Yeah. Her, as well as the guy we're going to be talking about, may have inspired the idea of Dracula. But I think for our guy, it's more innocent. Because our guy is an alchemist. The guy we're going to be talking about. The guy who inspired the signing of the Declaration of Independence. A different supposed immortal, but... But this is why I, you know, talking about belief in vampires, I do think it's possible. And there are stories, and I would love to do a full episode of vampires because there's one specifically- It's really, in our intro. It is in our intro. We're waiting to do it. But like our show we started, you know, there's so many things that I thought were on the edges of possibility. I thought probably not, like fairies, gnomes. We did a gnome episode. All real. I'm not so sure anymore if gnomes All are not real. All real. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, coming to vampires, there's this really fascinating book, a guy who did a lot of research and actually had a call out to vampires that were living and wanted to know was pretty convinced by somebody oh, and I'm really? I'm getting his book. We're going to do an episode on it. This is a real guy right. in the, who in the 90s right. was having a call out on on a radio show cuz he was writing this book. And he wanted to know about vampire culture. And you know, we're going to be getting into this a little bit towards the end with the vampire culture in Louisiana. But to bring it back to the vampire stuff to bring it back to our focus of this episode, which I don't even think we've mentioned his name yet, but the count of Saint Germain.
0: That's the mysterious guy?
1: That's the mysterious guy. By his own account, had been alive for 300 years. By many other accounts, he's been alive for thousands of years and potentially is still alive today. We're going to get into that after the break. Interesting. And a subscriber to the show. So if you're out there, yeah, he call or... and leave us to speak pipe. <laughs> Saint Germain. <He> found
0: me. <laughs>
1: well, let's get into it after the break. We'll see you in a second.
3: Name neither confirmed nor denied anything said about him how old was he 100 200 2000 years 2000 years nobody knew where he came from
1: and there was a strangeness
2: he never seemed to age
3: where was he actually from atlantis, atlantis. his knowledge of history is so extraordinary. Makes one believe live through the events himself. Himself.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back. We're just getting into the mystery, guys. We're yeah, getting into We got into, a long way to go. So yep.
0: buckle up. We've got a
1: lot of fascinating tidbits coming All up. A of
0: fun stuff for you this evening.
1: Are immortals real? Is there a hidden hand behind the destiny of America? And nay, the world. Humanity at large. Yes, yes,
0: yes and yes. Yes,
1: yes, and yes. This is an idea, of course, that we we mentioned Manly P. Hall has talked about. We can do a whole episode on him. And not just him, but theosophy, theosophists like Madame Blavatsky. What's, what does that
0: mean? Short definition.
1: Short definition of theosophy. Uh, short definition of theosophy would be... Bop, 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 bop. I grabbed this just to get a cohesive idea. This comes from Wikipedia. Short. Okay. Uh,
0: <laughs> I wanted to keep going with the conversation. Well, we're going to do a whole episode on theosophy, by the way. I do want to know what it means.
1: You've heard Blavatsky. You've heard her name before. Madame you Blavatsky? Know. You know... Um, esoteric rituals and and secret societies. and We talked about Aleister Crowley. This is sort of a derivation of the ideas of theosophy with the Knights of the Golden Dawn. But it basically, it's deep in the esoteric arts, uh, the occult, the secret teachings, carrying forward this idea of uh, growth of, uh, of humanity based on uh, secret knowledge from ancient mystery schools. It goes back to ancient Egypt. Okay. So, theosophy, basically, the idea is that there is a group of people who are uh, enlightened beings or Mahatmas that help guide humanity through time and through the ages. Right. And reincarnated. They work behind the scenes. They work behind the scenes. They walk among us. Not necessarily immortal, uh, but reincarnated. Their plans are immortal. Right. And they reincarnate into new bodies. And oh, really? The, hmm. the adepts would. So there are different levels that you can get to in theosophy. How come all these guys seem so creepy? Uh Which guys? Why can't they be like... I don't know. Well, I think if Saint you're in Saint Germain immortal, was like saints. Saint Germain was pretty charming. That's the guy we're going to get. Well, okay. he was the, he was the count of Saint Germain. He was, and there. he plays a heavy role in Theosophy. Does he? Yes, he is uh, one of the key figures of Theosophy. Okay, moving forward. So let's get it. Basically, this is where like the New Age comes from. Our New Age ideas. Okay, but uh, initially, it's not how we think of New Age today. It was literally like the dawning of ushering the New Age of like Aquarius, right? Was specifically related to. I think people believe in Theosophists that Saint Germain was that. He was the next uh, adept to come in and bring. Anyways, right. It's a whole other topic, but let's get into who he was. Is, so he is the guy, right? So okay, this is a real, this is a real historical figure, the Count of Saint Germain, shrouded in mystery, even in historical texts and historical records of the time. This would take place in the around the seventeen hundreds, right? Yeah, during uh- King Louis the reign. And what we know of him comes from his friends at the time, who were people you'd know of by name, like Voltaire. Mm-hmm. King Louis the Fifteenth supposedly was in contact with the. Early revolutionaries like Benjamin Franklin, brother Freemason at the same uh, lodge, supposedly Voltaire was for sure, and supposedly so was this figure, yeah. this uh, immortal saint, Saint Germain. Anyways, let's get into some of the mystery of him, some of the compelling stories that make people think and believe that he was a strange immortal character. An immortal
0: Potentially a vampire?
1: (laughs) Maybe. Potentially the inspiration for the vampiric idea that we have today. Bring it in. Okay, so he appeared in Venice early in the century, looking about uh, 45 years of age. That's what most people said at the time. Extremely handsome. Extremely handsome, intense, mesmerizing eyes with a charming manner. Um, Picture me, John, basically. Yeah, essentially. (laughs) Uh, So one of the the most compelling accounts as far as his immortality or his his longevity would come from the Countess von Georgie from 1760. So she met with him at the court of Louis the Fifteenth, who was a close friend. So this guy was a courtier, right? Which means He'd like out he, in the court. he was always like a guy that hung around with noblemen, the royals. And he just like, you know, they'd talk shop and, you know, like... Uh, talk shop with the
0: royals?
1: <laughs> all the like latest, like uh, fantastic scientific wonders saw. and... Yeah, new power stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he was an alchemist. At this time in the 1700s, these, these men of mystery of uh, Renaissance men... That, well, we'll get to all the things he could do, but basically, like a magical kind of
0: figure, like David Blaine.
1: Like yeah, exactly. exactly. Just like David Blaine's. Mes- <laughs> I've been watching him lately. He's mesmerizing. Uh, Ricky Gervais, you know, like all the celebrities putting needles <laughs> in his arms. Kanye West and Kanye West. These guys. He is like that of the time, but he's not just that. He's not a, a magician per se. He right. does alchemy. He does. What is alchemy?
0: I know I'm going off on the tangent. That's all right. It's there's an a lot. Question. Yeah.
1: Alchemy has multiple facets to it, but essentially, you're turning things into something else. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Transmutation. So the idea of taking a base metal, like
0: water into wine,
1: or mercury or lead into gold. That okay. was one of the primary things. Or into that silver. Was
0: the main thing, like turning yeah. into precious metals. It was
1: called the Great Work. Was the the seeking of what was called the Philosopher's Stone. So the philosopher's stone. You know a lot about this. I did research the episode. <laughs> well, our band in high school was called A Ballad Alchemy. At oh the boy. time, you gotta say I, that out loud. All I knew was that it was just it was emerging of things Go to make. Check something. it out. Yeah, don't look it up. It was okay. It's yeah, good. for the time. One. It was whiny alternative. The second music.
0: album would have rocked Billboard. Stop but, listening to the <laughs> show because of it. <laughs> um, hey, it's a good. Cancel. Record. Belief holes. canceled. <laughs> check it out.
1: Anyway, so. Yeah, alchemy. So that's that's one facet of it, turning uh, base metals into gold. Um, and in that process, they were looking for what was called the Philosopher's Stone. And the Philosopher's Stone uh, is synonymous with uh, the elixir of life or longevity, something that could uh, help you to live a long time or even potentially be immortal. Which this count allegedly had um, possession of both. Right. Well, and they were kind of the same thing. Here, I'll read you a brief description here. The Philosopher's Stone is a legendary alchemical substance capable of turning base metals such as mercury into gold. This was what they would constantly seek was this this uh, chemical compound that they could use to transmute, you know, common metals into gold to make them wealthy, wants gold. But it could also give you eternal life. It was basically this magical substance that sought perfection and purity. It's also called the elixir of life, useful for rejuvenation and for achieving immortality. For many right. centuries, it was the most sought goal in alchemy. The philosopher's stone was the central symbol of the mystical terminology of alchemy, symbolizing perfection at its finest. Enlightenment. Like perfect? And heavenly bliss. <laughs> yes, just like our last <laughs> Practiced name. Practiced apprentice. <laughs> Efforts to discover the philosopher's stone were known as the magnum opus or the great work. And you'll hear that word Manly P Hall uses it as the great work but in his connotation it's the uh, spiritual great work the great work of transforming humankind
0: pretty intense it's a lot, it's a of, lot of too of that
1: yeah but you yeah. can see why someone who has this passion for this uh, pursuit in life could be very compelling Especially if yeah. you were eloquent and charming, and you're saying, "By the way, I have the elixir of life, and I've lived 500 years." And I mean, I've- is
0: there any truth
1: to this, though? Well, there are. We're going to get into some of the, the accounts <gasps> here. <laughs> <laughs> so excited! Well, he, from his own mouth, he said on multiple occasions he was 300, over 300 years old. So we know at least you know whether that was. Uh, but alchemy. Uh, oh, is al- there any truth alchemy. to alchemy? Well, if you look at the alleged reincarnation of this guy in the 1970s, you can watch YouTube clips of him doing. Alchemy, he later killed himself in a van. Okay, but, well, now you're jumping the gun here. <laughs> he
2: later you're talking drove about,
1: his
0: car there into river. a river. There was
1: a man who claimed, I think his name was Richard, Richard Schaffer or something, but in the 70s, he came out and said that he was the reincarnation of, yeah, Saint Germain. But the original Count of Saint Germain, What one of the things that made him so, yes, he was into alchemy, but a lot of people were, like his friend Casanova, who you've heard of, the ladies' man. Uh, we'll hear a quote from him about Saint Germain, but... He uh, was also renowned for speaking over 10 languages. He was proficient in violin. He composed things that would rival some of the composers of the time. Like he performed these things for people that made it seem like he had been living for hundreds of years. He also spoke of centuries before him as if he lived the experience, not as if he read them. Interesting. He'd recount like deep historical information, but he would do it in a way that it was like he was recalling it, like he was there. And everyone was convinced of this. That's one of the things that was fascinating.
0: He he wasn't considered a prophet or anything? He was a saint? He
1: he was eventually considered a prophet. He did have some prophecies, which we'll get to. Interesting. Um.
0: I like it. I like it, Jeremy. (laughs) Thank you, John. (laughs) Uh,
1: Some of the things that are, I guess, touchstones in our historical past that we can mention, like, uh, for instance, he, in 1710, was praised by Ramey. I'm not sure who he is, but um, for his... uh, (laughs) That's important, then. (laughs) Well, no, I'm going to get to it. His clear and moving pianoforte improvisations, a signed copy of which eventually came to the hands of Tchaikovsky. And two of his signed musical compositions still exist in the British Museum. So we know that he was appraised musical composer and violinist. Yeah, you can hear his stuff on YouTube. You may have heard of Paganini. That may sound familiar. A famous violinist, composer at the time. Mm -hmm. Supposedly at the time, people heard both of them play and preferred Saint-Germain, Conte Saint-Germain. It's the
0: jack of all trades of the pinnacle of the Yeah, exactly. Not only you
1: are a proficient violinist, but you're also an incredible composer, genius composer. Yet you also somehow find the time to learn French, English, German,
0: Italian, Spanish, Portuguese. Yeah, it does seem like he would would be alive for hundreds of years. Yeah,
1: Chinese, Arabic, like Sanskrit you can write. I mean, he could also, one of the coolest things, I think, he was also ambidextrous, and he was seen to write two words at the same time. uh, Not words. It's even better. He could write with both hands simultaneously. Franz Graffer, who's a, a historical fella, that we'll link uh, as deep as I'm going to go with him uh, witness St. Germain quickly write the same letter with both hands on two pieces of paper how's simu- better than two different words simultaneously because it's a whole. It's a letter not a single letter, a, a document he wrote are you sure they yeah. didn't mean a letter when placed on top of one another and held up against a window pane the translucent sheets revealed identical scripts as oh. if they were impressions from the same copper plate Still could just be so it. two hands writing the same letter. L- I think letter meant. I don't think it meant a letter. Any <laughs> like you know. a? Yeah, yeah, That's what I was and
0: People were blown away. Uh, yeah, I don't you know, think so.
1: A whole document. So that's fascinating.
0: Yeah, it's pretty strange.
1: So, and one of the coolest things I think comes from the historical characters we know that people are familiar with that mention him and their experiences when they met him. And the first one that we actually I think we started to talk about before we kind of went down the alchemy route was what's her name, Countess von. Georgie, yeah. What happened with her? Give give us that, Jerry. Oh, right. I forgot that's where we left off. Yeah, this is our, I guess, our first appearance of him, right, in amongst his peers at the time, in the 1700s in France. You're S- right, in 1700s. So, about 1760, Countess von Georgie met him at the court of Louis the Fifteenth. Stunned to see the count completely unchanged after 50 years.
0: Really, still just good looking. Mm-hmm. Countess, even better.
1: The Countess de Giorgi, upon meeting him in Madame Pompadour's house in the 1760s, asked him if his father had been in Venice in 1710. No, madame, the count replied, but I myself was living in... Actually, do your Slavic voice, John, because he is supposedly from Transylvania.
0: We're, okay, where is that? No, madame. The count replied, but I myself was living in Venice at the end of the last and beginning of this century. I had the honor to pay you court then. And you were kind enough to admire a little barricade of my composing.
1: <laughs> the Countess could not believe her ears. But if that is true, she gasped, you must be at least a hundred years old. The Count smiled.
0: That, madame, is not impossible.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> was good. Tim Curry at the end.
0: too. The <laughs> I did do the gorillas last episode. <laughs> They're from the same area. That's what's yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. fascinating. Good accent. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Uh, I could do him all night.
1: So yeah, that's interesting. So that was one of the first written accounts of someone seeing him and seeming like he had been around for a long time. She remembered right. him from when she was a child. Okay, so he also getting the alchemy and chemistry that he had supposedly done for witnesses, right? Oh, yeah, Transmitting yeah. gold, that kind of thing. He admitted that he could grow pearls artificially and once removed a flaw from a large diamond owned by Louis the Fifteenth. Casanova witnessed a silver sixty centimeter coin taken from his own pocket transmuted into pure gold in about two minutes. When Casanova voiced doubts about what he had seen, Saint Germain simply replied,
0: People who question my art do not merit my attention.
1: And never saw Casanova again. Oh, that was the last time?
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Interesting. Saint Germain's own unchanging age and unique eating habits no one ever saw him eat. Weird Ooh. suggests that Maybe he, he had was
0: feeding on blood
1: suggests that he had <laughs> in his possession the elixir vitae or the elixir of life. Since others claim to have received direct benefit, including renewed stamina and restored health, enhanced memory, and prolonged life from its derivatives, it appears that Saint Germain possessed knowledge of azoth, which in its three forms constitutes the philosopher's stone, the power of projection, and the elixir of life.
0: Interesting, hmm. what's interesting about all this is. You know, I still feel like as human beings, we're still looking for this. Oh, absolutely. It's so yeah. ingrained in us to like look for mortality, whether it's through religion youth, or technology, t- transhumanism mm-hmm. or blood drinking or right. whatever, you Florida. know, health in general. Florida,
1: Yeah. Because of this, we have Florida. Ponce de Leon was looking oh, for, yeah. was looking for uh, the fountain of youth and he found uh, Florida or the land of the flowers. They're doing great. I learned that in uh, sixth grade when I do a. And that's
0: study where all in. the old people go to retire. And that's where
1: they go to retire. And they, yet We're it's make not math. working for them. <laughs> it's not working
0: so well. <laughs> they go there to die. Oh, maybe one day. Um, My grandparents
1: had a little space there. Yeah. But then they came to Ohio, back home to Ohio and died. No, they didn't. Yeah, they died in a retirement home in Ohio. Oh, that's. Yeah, right. where they lived with us for a couple of years. That's why that if sad. they stayed in
0: Florida, it would still be alive. Grandpa
1: Don and Grandma Wilma. Good people.
0: Grandpa Germain.
1: Donald. Maybe he was St. Germain. He was. We did find his Freemason Bible. We found he was a Freemason.
0: Maybe that's the story. From he time. Maybe he was a yeah, reincarnation. We do have a grandfather a Freemason, which may be the reason that we're that so unique. interested in all this. But stuff. That's
1: not that unique. Well, we just found how that out you know? a couple months ago. I mean, you can be you could be a Freemason right now if you wanted. If you really wanted to. What if he's a
0: thirty third degree? Well,
1: maybe he is a thousand. He degree. was a thirty third degree Mason. He was. Yeah, i found found uh, baby carcasses and reptiles okay, sh- shedding skins in our basement. That's well, not cast. We aspersions. don't know
0: how f- deep he was. in. I'm just but... kidding. He was a love loving man. He was, as far as we know, a lot of thirty-three
1: year masons are good people.
0: If, it, if there is nefarious activities, it could have been hijacked, right? Like sort oh, of like the sure. Vatican or something. Exactly.
1: That's that when that is the concept is that there was, and the, you know, I'm, we can't get into all this right now. I haven't done the research on it, but I remember hearing. We should dig into this for an episode, but the idea that there was an, a uh, a corruption through the Scottish right, yeah, Freemasonry, Freemasonry from the Bavarian Illuminati that came in and infiltrated. And mm-hmm. that a lot of people, especially at the founding of the country, were concerned about this influence. There are scripts supposedly that tell of this. We can do an episode on it. But yeah, like yeah, our grandfather was a, a Mason. A lot of people are Masons out there, even 33 degree. And what I heard was that, and this may be hearsay because I, I can't remember where this came from. We can look more into it. But the idea that once you become a 33 degree, uh, you are asked, or maybe some are asked, to write an essay about how they feel about, uh, I think it's Albert Pike or Manley P. Hall's more esoteric writings on Freemasonry and about its uh, purpose of shaping the world. Like we saw the right. secret destiny of America, right? And if you answer the right way. The secret influence that the Freemasons need to have. And if you answer one way and say like, well, people are independent. We need to support communities and, and strive for the eh, ideals. Eh, eh. Then that's great. You get a high five and you, you're 33 degree. If you answer differently, you get tapped and then you move up to the other really? unspeakable levels. That's one of the ideas.
0: Right. So strange. And we
1: will look into we'll that. We'll look more into that. Right now, this is Jeremy here Say. But it's an interesting concept. And maybe any of you guys out there, might we might have Freemason listeners. I'm sure. Who knows? I'm sure. I'm sure. Hoppycock. So there are some other uh, famous quotes from uh, acquaintances. Right. And I think this is significant because, I mean, it is absolutely 100% known by historians that he was a real guy. Yeah. Um, His allegations of who he was or the mystery and the rumors are left up for debate. But who he was was a real person. The people that he knew were famous people at the time. People you would know. Voltaire a famous philosopher, writer, witty guy. Voltaire's quote about St. Germain, who he knew personally, said, quote, a man who knows everything and who never dies. That comes from
0: Voltaire. One right. of the most respected philosophers. And never dies. I mean, could that be metaphorical? It could
1: be. I mean, he was a witty guy. He was into satire. People, yeah, I mean, Wikipedia suggests that he's satirically said, mm-hmm. right? So anything Wikipedia is like, this is fiction, fiction, fiction. Well,
0: yeah, if- I, I get, you don't believe it. Them at all, right. you, anything you,
1: you can take some of the basic facts, well, we quote them a lot. So. We do because I mean, Wikipedia is a good source <laughs> well, for the, the, the basics, things. yeah. They're yeah. good for the basic facts, the mainstream, anything
0: controversial you can't really rely upon, right? You right.
1: can go into the notes and see how people in Wikipedia argue about it, and then you can get an idea of like what, what they're keeping in, what they're you know, leaving out. Right and well, there's also a bit of this like Voltaire. Even if he was being sarcastic, just like we're going to read with with, uh, Casanova's quote. Who, John, you're probably familiar, at least you've heard the name Casanova. He's like the most. If you're Mm. like, oh, what a Casanova, yeah,
2: that guy's a ladies' man, right?
1: Right. He's a real dude from the 1700s who was very good with the ladies. That was one of his claims to fame. A charmer, and he ran in the circle of people that included. Voltaire. It included King Louis the Fifteenth, and it included the Count of Saint Germain. So were they
0: like Kanye and Drake? It was
1: like a posse. I mean, there yeah. were you know it's like Obama and Kanye. And it, <laughs>
0: people people coming and going in France at the time. A lot of things were happening. And they were the cream of the crop back then, as far yeah. as people like were they the famous people? Oh yeah,
1: I'm sorry, I meant Obama and Jay Z, not
0: Kanye. Different group. Kanye. Anyway,
1: but a lot was going on okay. in the 1700s. This was right before the French Revolution, which the Count of Saint Germain predicts that this is going to happen, warns the French royalty that this is going to happen if they don't pay attention, if they're not, they don't listen and it comes to pass. Well, what's fascinating. Okay. So Voltaire was a friend, right? Right. Voltaire was in the same Freemasonic lodge as Benjamin Franklin in France around the time of the declaration of independence. We start to creep towards that introductory statement about the mysterious man, the mystery man during the declaration of independence, starting to tie those knots. We're getting into the connection where this guy, Saint Germain could actually be the figure seen at the Declaration of Independence, the the signing. Right. Convincing everyone. Because Voltaire, among other things, being a philosopher, he was also known for, besides his uh criticisms of the Catholic Church and these things, he was also known for his advocacy of quote, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and separation of church and state. Mm. Does that sound familiar? It sounds familiar. Does that French philosopher sound like he may be influencing a little bit it's like like Thomas of Thomas Paine sounds like the Constitution, Declaration yeah. of Independence? Mm-hmm. So, if he's in the same lodge with Benjamin Franklin, obviously these ideas are floating around, and if Voltaire is friends with the immortal, Count de Saint-Germain, alleged immortal, who's this charming alchemist, blah, 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 who has other connections, who is said to have supposedly been a part of this lodge as well, it is possible that Benjamin Franklin— Dare I say probable? Dare I say probable? That might be a stretch, but let's say it anyway. Probable that Benjamin Franklin ferried this immortal over to the Continental Congress— to help inspire people to sign, right? Possibly. Which sounds crazy, but this guy, St. Germain, a lot of accounts, was a fellow that when he approached you, even if you didn't know him, you were inspired to bow.
2: Mm-hmm. This
1: was a person, because he's a Yeah, the John, world. this guy was a mesmerizer. Right. He would, you'd look into his eyes and you're like, I just want to sink into this man's eyes. I want to listen to what That's he how says.
0: you feel when I look at you?
1: Every day. <laughs> well, mesmeriz- mesmerization comes from mesmer, Right who was also around at this time, and Blavatsky said that he, uh, I think among other sources, had referenced that St. Germain had actually influenced Mesmer's uh, use of animal magnetism. This ability to, like, hypnotize. Basically, with... the, the beginning of hypnotism, right, came from this. Which is interesting because that's the vampire lore, right? Hypnotize you with the eyes, mm-hmm. draw you in. Mesmerize. All going back to the Count of saint There's so many connections with... That's what's interesting. We're going to get to that shortly Think here.
0: about if your eyes were, like, a couple hundred years old, how much magnetism you could possess. <laughs>
1: that's very true, man. Or how many cataracts you'd have. Think of how much... <laughs> no,
0: if you're, but you're still only 45 years that's old true. in the physical. Vampire you eyes, have, yeah. Yeah. Hundreds of years of knowledge and practice, and oh, just how
1: intense your eyes would be, yeah. especially if
0: they're windows to the soul, dude. But you see, you have the young body, but the intensity of, of hundreds of years of experience. How charming yeah.
1: and how much confidence would you have walking into any room?
0: You would oh. know so much more than anyone. Yeah, it's
1: like that idea about, like, oh man, if I could only go back to high school as a three year old, I would date the hottest girls. Well, imagine if you're That's a year No one says that, but John Casanova, yep. because I would say, uh, you're a handsome man. And most people find you charming. So I think you'd be good to read. Yes. yes. You'd be good to read the voice of Casanova.
0: Yes, I will be doing a good job. You read the quote
1: uh, when he was speaking about his acquaintance. Um, Arguably, friend, but he uh, uh, harbored some jealousy. Who harbored jealousy? Casanova. Casanova.
0: Why? Because, well, you could argue jealousy. uh, Jealousy? So thought this guy was the cat's meow.
1: Casanova was, but so was Saint-Germain. You know what Casanova didn't have? Casanova was also an alchemist, but what he couldn't do was live for 300 years. And what the Count of Saint-Germain was telling all the ladies was that he's been alive for 300 years. Casanova
0: was like, this fucking guy. Oh, I see. I see. I'd be a little perturbed. But he
1: respected him. He respected his alpha maleness. Yeah, and his
0: his age. (laughs) Hundreds hundreds of years.
1: This is the thing. This thing with Voltaire and with Casanova, they both have these little like sarcastic sort of things. But I think anybody would be in that situation. A guy comes in, he's just saying all this stuff that sounds
0: so out that you're like, this guy's full of shit, but everybody's buying it. It's probably what the disciples felt like when Jesus was around. Not the disciples, but just regular people.
1: Well, theosophists believe that St. Germain and Jesus were both adepts. They were both reached the highest level. They were both Human part of this mastery? secret yeah. council to mm-hmm. continue to move. Really? Yeah. It, who Who thought this? Theosophy,
0: but like uh, oh, Matt so. Blavatsky, like really? that, that whole belief system. They says, talk about Jesus?
1: Yeah, uh, they believe that actually- It's so, all tied in. Some of them believe that, uh, you know how St. Germain's been reincarnated, his different incarnations throughout time to push humankind's destiny. He was the father of civilization, supposed to push humankind towards this positive enlightenment. Uh, they believe that he was, well, a certain sex of them believe that he was uh, Joseph of Nazareth. Jesus's father Dad. and was there to what? help Jesus into that. I mean, this is this whole Christian mysticism that goes back to early Christian Gnosticism, 180. Is it, this
0: is really involved. Oh yeah.
1: This is why my brain was mush. The roots today. are so deep. And we always want to do an episode on like, how does Freemasonry come in? How does it connect to the roots of Christians? How does it connect to the Knights Templar? And they all go back and root together deeper and deeper down the line, right back to Christian mysticism. Gnosticism. Christian, yeah, Christian Gnosticism was that
0: Gnostic idea. Is this is like the Dead Sea Scrolls yep,
1: that contains Gnostic books, like the Book of Judas, right. the Book of
0: Mary. Things that were not put in the regular Bible. Right.
1: They weren't part the of Apocrypha, the Apocrypha. Councils they did,
0: They were not part of the narrative. Well, right.
1: when we got into the Count of Saint Germain stuff, I didn't know that this, the Count of Saint Germain stuff is like it's at the end of all of this vast theology and all these different secret societies. He plays a big role in a lot of these. So it, I went down all these rabbit holes and we obviously couldn't fit it into this episode, but I've notes upon notes when we do this next episode, I've know where we're going with this. Cause I really want to, I've always wanted to like kind of bridge the differences between Rosicrucians the and secret societies. Freemasons. Yeah, secret societies in general. Uh, it is fascinating. And theosophy is super fascinating because there's uh, this idea of Eastern mysticism with Roman Catholic ideas. And um, yeah, we're going to do an episode on that because it is really fascinating. Basically the idea of gurus throughout time, people pushing, you know, these council of light,
3: so what we're people. looking
1: at now is like basically figures that when you dig deeper you find that they're entrenched in this deeper lore of these secret societies and, and these kinds of things. So we're talking about them as they appear in history, but these are where they come from.
0: Mm-hmm. The yeah.
1: Rosicrucians, and, and we'll we'll get into that here. But well, let's get back to Casanova, John.
0: Would you take us away? Sure. The most enjoyable dinner I had was with Madame de Jergy, who came with the famous adventurer known by the name of Count de Saint Germain. This individual, instead of eating, talked from the beginning of the meal to the end, and I followed his example in one respect, as I did not eat, but listened (laughs) to him with the greatest attention. It may safely be said that as a conversationalist, he was unequaled. Saint Germain gave himself out for a marvel and always aimed at exciting amazement, which he often succeeded in doing. He was a scholar, linguist, musician and chemist, unbelievably attractive and a perfect ladies man. (laughs) This extraordinary man creature, you know, (laughs) (laughs) this extraordinary man, intended by nature to be the king of impostors and quacks, would say in an easy, assured manner that he was 300 years old, that he knew the secret of the universal medicine, that he possessed a mastery over nature, that he could melt diamonds professing himself capable of forming, out of ten or twelve small diamonds, one large one, of the finest water without any loss of weight. All this, he said, was a mere trifle to him. Notwithstanding his boastings, his bare-faced lies, and his manifold eccentricities, I cannot say I thought him offensive. In spite of my knowledge of what he was, and in spite of my own feelings, I thought him an astonishing man, as he always was astonishing to me. I think Ooh. he may have had a crush. I think a bit. so. Very possible. It was France in
1: the 1700s. Casanova
0: had a crush on Saint-Germain. Yeah. The ladies' man was attracted to a dude.
1: Yeah, that's how charming he was. Hundreds of years of practice. Mm-hmm. Same with Louis XV, the king, right? Also uh-huh. in, totally enamored. But yeah, By he was like guy. the only guy that King Louis XV would let visit his mistress.
0: He liked him that much. <laughs> and admittedly, he...
1: He even admitted that this Did wasn't his real name.
0: biography or something? I kind of want to read this guy.
1: Their biography is no autobiography, but there's biographies written about him. A lot of our research comes from that. Really? He seems like an interesting fellow. Fascinating guy. Uh, I mean, but, he's hundreds of years old. So. Yeah, allegedly. Thousands. <laughs> uh, but, so, but yeah, there, the same. interesting thing was like, somehow he was a guy who came from nowhere who never gave his real identity never and this is a time where people
0: prided themselves on being acquainted where they came from
1: yeah being acquainted with people with, with a noble Power, background
0: Right, he obviously had the credentials he didn't not the credentials of connections, but the credentials of knowledge. He had the knowledge, the charisma, the way of speaking. Like a nobility would have some the, of those. Exactly, features.
1: he had the noble way right. of speaking. The way uh, not only the charm, but the the vernacular. Right. Like everything, he was he was obviously well bred, yeah, well educated right. from the I finest mean. school. And there is one suggestion, and this was even reported this is his official, like most likely if he was a mortal man, he admitted supposedly that uh, he was the son of Prince Francis II Rocoxy of Transylvania. So what's interesting about that is Prince Francis II Rocoxy of Transylvania, his eldest son died, and the idea is that he was the eldest son and they hid his death to protect basically his inheritance. That's a theory. He said that to the last person he stayed with, but there was no official record of his burial. Right. And he supposedly died or was buried when this, this king that he knew or this prince that he was staying with was away. So he came back and he was gone. Hmm. But supposedly he had died that year of uh, 17, what was it, Chris? 1784. 1784. Supposed death of Count Saint-Germain. Yeah, it was Prince Carl of Hesse. That's who it was. But this is one of those things where like, you know, there's no record of the burial. He didn't see him die. Uh, He just disappears, and that's the official story. And even if that's true, he lived to be like 100 years old or close to that, which is unheard of at the time. The average age of a male at that time was like 35. And here's the thing. So, yeah, average age 35, right? And he dies at 90 or something like that. But then after he dies, he's seen at a Masonic conference in Paris in 1785. Then he has a meeting with Tupac. (laughs) Tupac <laughs> Elvis this is the original like Elvis story yeah uh, 1786 had a meeting with the Empress of Russia these are all accounts by these historical figures saying they saw him they met him again uh, in 1870 I love this one Napoleon third was so interested by the way Count of Saint Germain had a prediction that a young boy named Napoleon would rise to power hmm. and this is when Napoleon was eight no one knew who he was but he said a young boy named Bonaparte in his prophecy was going to really? rise to power
0: so he had like not only passed he could see into the future allegedly yeah he that
1: these pro- are recorded prophecy that also that marie antoinette would be assassinated also the french revolution he prophesized that he wrote this in letters to people in the royal families warning so them el- about it
0: i wonder if his elixir gave him knowledge then too
1: possibly that's a good question because you'd understand the past history unless like you
0: when. maybe after you live hundreds of years you start to see the cycles of history
1: maybe well you know this is why people like blavatsky who by the way in 1896 claimed that she had met him 1896 this is 100 years after he supposedly died so one of the founders of theosophy claimed to have met him but she said there's a photograph of her with him supposedly yeah but it's these things these prophecies that make him not just someone who might have lived a long time but someone who might have been an ascended master someone who fits in this idea of the council of light yeah uh, Theosophist Universe
0: that, didn't Corey Good talk about the Council of Light?
1: That's a Federation of Light. Federation of Light. No. So he dips and dabbles from different places. <laughs> <points. laughs> That's a patron expansion. But anyway, the interested. Napoleon thing's interesting because in 1870, Napoleon III was so interested in the quote undying count that he had a special commission put together to collect information on the count. It was like the um, blue book project for the Count of Saint Germain in 1870. Um, the commission was stationed at the Hotel DeVille. Interestingly, a year later, a mysterious fire breaks out at the Hotel DeVille, consuming the files Napoleon's commission had collected. Hmm. So he's collecting information on this man who has never died. He's got all this stuff together. What happens? Ignites in flames. And then what happens after that? A year later, he's seen again. That's an interesting thing. When he supposedly died, who was the guy? Hess, the prince or counter, whoever it was was supposedly in his company right before he died kept no records of the burial well there's another thing too is like they accounted for all of his belongings after his death that were left at the castle and it was like uh trousers a shirt none of the jewels that he had had none of the books that he had been writing in consistently his diaries and journals and mathematical alchemical writings everything he kept in like this lockbox, all of it were not accounted for when he died it disappeared And so they went back to archival academics at the time or people who were interested in this stuff, but maybe he just took it with him. Maybe he didn't die. That's one of the arguments, right? Right. Well, and the last thing on this timeline, there's a great site, John, and all of our listeners out there, there's a great site called Finding Count St. Germain and... On that site, there's a chronology of all these events, all the eyewitness accounts uh, up to modern day. There's uh, all the information if you want uh, historical records, what he looked like, all this stuff. Um, but one of the last things I want to mention in this chronology was in 1902, Jacques... We're jumping to this already? Well, I'm just saying at the end of this timeline, this okay. is a little preview, a little taste to the end. In 1902, Jacques Saint-Germain arrives in New Orleans, Louisiana.
0: Sea vampire section. Sea
1: vampire section. We'll we'll get to that. Ah, <laughs> uh, the vampires of New we Orleans. should take a break. We should take a break. And when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about... uh, We're going to go back to the founding of the nation Mm -hmm. and then get into the vampire. Yeah. Oh, and we might even mention the Georgia Guidestones, which is an expansion episode we did that was supposedly built by R.C. Christian. Was that Count Saint Germain? Was that a pseudonym for the Rosicrucians, RC Christian? Is it all connected?
0: Probably. And I'm going actually to read that little article at the very end about that uh, near-death experience. Oh yes, it does fit well and kind of tops off the mortality, the question of death.
1: Awesome, interesting. So, all right. Well, that'll work well in this episode of immortality and um, theology, mm-hmm. spirituality, and this idea of eternity. And I we'll will end it with a
0: life after death right.
1: experience. That's interesting. I like that.
0: Cool. All right, we'll be back in a minute. Stay tuned.
3: Grab a drink. (laughs) He spoke at least a dozen languages so fluently that in any country he visited, he was accepted as a native. Accepted as a native. Accepted
1: as a native. Saint Germain, you have called me. Yes, I come. A believer and a teacher of the law of reincarnation is my mantra which i give to you give to
3: you nobody knew where he came from or his true identity it would take more than one lifetime to absorb so much
2: knowledge the man must be immortal
0: and we're back
1: and we're back welcome back guys speaking of being back we are about to take a little break for the summer. Not the whole summer, but for July. After this episode airs, we are going to be taking a break until August returns. Or until August comes. Yeah, we're taking a break. It's going to be a short break, uh, but but fear not. For our patrons out there, we are going to be dropping at least one off the cuff, maybe two. Um, for our regular listeners, you can hear us on the expansion episodes. There's plenty available there. If you get really lonely and you're missing the hole, sign up on Patreon. Uh, if you're if you can't handle it right now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will be back in August. So, what we're essentially doing is we're going to be uh, focusing on like we did. We did a, a previous break that was that was pretty short last year about this time. Last year about this time, and we want to try to grow the show. We want to try to uh, develop our back end system. So, we're actually looking at developing a system away from Patreon. I don't know if we want to mention that, but uh, we are going to have a system that allows us to own our own content and continue to produce for you guys. Um, in a more direct way. That's something we're, we're going to work on over the break. Also, we we're going to be getting beginning into um, broadening our video
3: uh, yes. stuff for,
1: for for patrons and for uh, potentially YouTube live streams. We're going to be working on the video wing of Belief Hole, so we need to take a moment to grow the show, develop that stuff out. Just a moment. Just a moment. But we are still here for you. You can message yeah. us, reach out to us, leave your strange stories. We're still going to have,
0: um, we're still be collecting those. And regular listeners, we do have a buttload of content over at Patreon. If you are missing us, we got tons of episodes over there. So if you miss us while we're gone, definitely yeah. help Check us Check it out.
1: out. If you're familiar with the show, if you've been listening for a while as a regular listener, you'll know that every time we drop an episode since the beginning of season two, we've dropped a full-length, well-researched, well-sound-designed story explosion episode each time. And an honestly, some of some of my favorite episodes this season have been yeah, our expansion sure. episodes, which is somewhat, not unfortunate, but sometimes I get bummed out because I want everybody to hear it, but... We can't predict it, so we pick a topic for each one, and it's a little looser in the expansion side, a little more casual, so it's sometimes a little more exciting. Uh, but not to say our regular episodes aren't exciting. So if you want to get a little deeper in the hole, if you're not already there, jump on over to beliefhole.com, click on the Patreon button, become an expansion tier member, and you get all the bonus episodes, all the extra content off the cuffs, all this kinds of stuff. Five bucks a month. Five bucks a month, skip a latte at Starbucks, or buy that latte and just splurge and a little. And
0: we do want to just say thank you to all the patrons that we have right now. You guys really just help us keep putting out content, help us keep the lights on here to pay for all the technical things that we need to pay for. So I think that's Absolutely. about it. Yeah. So we yeah. will be back in August. And,
1: and for the regular listeners that don't sign up, you can hold out, we'll be back. And we love you just as much. <laughs>
0: Thanks for the ultimatum <laughs> yeah. at the end there.
1: Um, but no, we appreciate everyone who listens. It means a lot. All you guys who sending in your stories, comments, whatever, just that you're out there is awesome but should we get back into the show let's dive back in to the mystery
0: on this independence day celebration
1: yeah i guess it will it will come out around independence day probably right yeah maybe a little before so we're after. doing it right otherwise i would have done ouija boards gone wild which is by the way gonna be our expansion episode for this, this what week. is it ouija boards gone wild what does that mean I think, I think you can put it together. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it's creepy a pretty Ouija great book. Stories. I got. Uh, it's by Rosemary Ellen Guiley. I think it's her name. Oh yeah, she's good. Yes, with Rick Fisher, it's an awesome collection of real Ouija board stories. I'll do a little bit of background on Ouija boards, but we did one in our first season, so I'm not going to go into a deep dive of the history of the talking boards and stuff. Check that out if you if you want to maybe listen to that first before you check out the expansion episode. But we're going to be getting some crazy stories, and I might even get into the Zozo stuff. Zozo. You, some of our listeners are probably familiar with the Zozo phenomenon. Um, Sounds dark. It's yeah, dark, you know, it, I heard about that in Mysterious Universe a while back, but it didn't seem like it seemed like it was a little bit of a. I don't know a stretch. Well, I heard entity. Was I real? heard a lot of people call bullshit on it, so I mm-hmm. was not very interested in it. After reading this book, I got into the story, so I started doing my own research online. And I gotta say, and we'll I'll, yeah, we'll get into this in the expansion. But the guy, if he is full of shit, he is double tripled down on his story. His blog is up to date, and it's all about how people or haters are saying this is bullshit. I've never gone Didn't back on my story. he admitted it was fictitious? Yeah, someone, one of the comments I read, which was my first initial, like after I read the story, I was like, this is fascinating, but is this bullshit? I've heard this is bullshit. I checked it out and I, one of the first comments I read on Reddit or something was like, uh, Zozo's fake, the guy pretty much admitted it, right. yada yada. I tried to find that where he admitted it. I couldn't find it. What I did find was this blog saying, um, I, my story's never changed. I'm still 100% on board. People try to twist my words and say this bullshit. So, we're going to. We so, might, Zozo is a, what, a spiritual entity, a demon of sorts? Yeah, okay, that exists so. In so the attacks through the Ouija we board. You shouldn't get too far. No, down no, no. I was all. just trying to set people up for what you're talking about. Okay, well, it's one phenomenon of the Ouija board experience uh, in modern times. Whether or not it's true is left to be determined. But there are, the fascinating thing is, regardless of this guy's story, there are plenty of. Bonafide experiences by people that write to him or write online all the time that seem extremely genuine about their experiences with this that have this experience with this demon through through the Ouija board named Zozo so it's but it's not name. just going to be Zozo because I want to get into some other stuff, some some historical newspaper accounts of people, you know, killing their husbands because yeah. the Ouija board told them he was cheating, things like that. We're going to get into some uh, naughty planchette experiences with, uh,
3: you know, some Ouija mean? board's
1: gone wild. This is going to get kind of crazy. Sounds interesting. Everyone loves a good Ouija board story. So that's true. We'll get it, there. Ouija boards terrify me. But back to immortality in the French 1700s. Back with the story of St. Germain. Yes, and to get back to, we're going to kind of roll back just a bit to where we introduced in the beginning of this episode, which is the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Was there some hidden hand? Was there some immortal? Was there some St. Germain involved in the beginning of this country? The founding of this nation? Yeah. Perhaps. I think probably. Right? It's probably an immortal. It's it's probably. Um, Who's the professor? Okay, so this is an interesting account, and this comes from... Actually, this is from Manley P. Hall as well, but it comes from a book. It comes from a treatise called Our Flag by Robert Allen Campbell, where he reviews the details of an obscure but most important episode of American history, the designing of the colonial flag of 1775, so a year before the signing of the Declaration of Independence. The account involves a mysterious man concerning whom no information is available. Other than that, he was on familiar terms with both General Washington and Benjamin Franklin. The following description of him is taken from Campbell's treaties. Okay, so it sounds like to me, as we set this up, this this quote, professor, as yeah. they called him, the idea is that this could be the very same mysterious figure, the phantom of the Declaration of Independence, who, right. who called everyone to action to sign a year after this, right? Obviously. Oh, it's obvious? Okay. Obvious, Jeremy. Okay. Come on. John, will you begin?
0: Little seems to have been known concerning this old gentleman. And in the materials from which this account is compiled, his name is not even once mentioned, for he is uniformly spoken of or referred to as the Professor. He was evidently far beyond his three score and ten years, and he often referred to his historical events of more than a century previous, just as if he had been a living witness to their occurrence. Still, he was erect, vigorous and active, Hale, hearty, and clear-minded, as strong and energetic every way is in the prime of his life. He was tall, of fine figure, perfectly easy, very dignified in his manners, being at once courteous, gracious, and commanding. He was, for those times, and considering the customers of a colonists, very peculiar in his method of living.
1: This is gonna sound familiar.
0: For he ate no flesh, fowl, or fish, He never used for food any green thing, any roots, or anything unripe. He drank no liquor, wine, or ale. He was well-educated, highly cultivated, of extensive as well as varied information, and very studious. He spent considerable amounts of his time in the patient and persistent scanning of a number of very rare old books and ancient manuscripts, which he seemed to be deciphering, translating, or rewriting. These books and manuscripts, together with his own writings, he never showed to anyone, and he always locked them up carefully in a large, old-fashioned, cubically-shaped, iron-bound, heavy oaken chest whenever he left his room, even for his meals. He took long and frequent walks alone, sat on the brows of neighboring hills, or mused in the midst of the green and flowering gem meadows. He was fairly liberal, but in no way lavish. In spending his money, With which he was well supplied. He was a quiet, though a very genial and very interesting member of the family, and he was seemingly at home upon any and every topic coming up in conversation. Mm -hmm. He was, in short, one whom everyone would notice and respect. Sounds a little bit like me. (laughs) Whom few would feel well acquainted with, and whom no one would presume to question concerning himself as to whence he came why he tarried or whither he journeyed.
1: What's interesting about what John read uh, were the several points that sound just like the kind of St. Germain. Exactly, yeah. So he seemed to talk about things much older than he was, right? Right, Sound of intimate knowledge. Right, Rec- recounting history as if he had been there. Right, centuries right? before. Right. Um, he ate very little or didn't eat at all in front of people. Same kind of idea. Yeah. And it's around the same time of this St. Germain character, shortly before. Oh, yeah, right. There's a time period in St. Germain's history where he went to go visit someplace, and in that year period, he was missing, and then and this the professor occurred. appears. Right, the professor With appears. the same kind of description and the same connections exactly. of Benjamin Franklin and some of the yeah. founders. That's fascinating. Okay, and it continues. By something more than a mere coincidence, the committee appointed by the Colonial Congress to design a flag accepted an invitation to be guests while at Cambridge of the family with which the professor was staying. It was here that General Washington joined them for the purpose of deciding upon a fitting emblem. By the signs that passed between them, it was evident that General Washington and Dr. Franklin recognized the professor and by unanimous approval he was invited to become an active member of the committee. During the proceedings, which followed, the professor was treated with the most profound respect, and all his suggestions immediately acted upon. He submitted a pattern which he considered symbolically appropriate for the new flag, and this was unhesitatingly accepted by the six other members of the committee, who voted that the arrangement suggested by the professor be forthwith adopted.
0: Motion to approve the design. I second. After the episode of the flag, the motion carries.
1: The professor quickly vanished and nothing further is known concerning him. This is what I like. This is what's fascinating is like in this account, there's some guy staying with his family, right? He's this interesting guy, strange guy. He's got this box of ancient manuscripts. manuscripts that he's deciphering. He's, you know, he seems aloof, but he seems very congenial. He seems like he knows everything. And then what happens? Who comes to stay at this place? Coincidentally, Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, trying to design the flag. They seem to recognize this guy. They seem mm-hmm. to know who he is, so they invite him to join the conversation about how to design the flag. Every decision he makes, they say, yep, let's go with his idea. So they know this dude. Right, this harkens back to the enigmatic, mysterious figure of the signing of the independence, who urged everyone to sign, who uh, in his speech, his alleged speech, he made references to the great seal, the eye of God, right? These yep. things that would come to pass as being symbols of America. Is this, is this part of this the symbols of this ancient brotherhood carrying through the Freemasons, the Rosicrucians right. that supposedly our Count St. Germain was a part of time makers.
0: Is this why there is a pyramid with a do- with an eye on the back of our dollar bill?
1: Yeah, that's what's suggested here. It relates. I mean, not in this not specific the story. There's the flag, but it is, I mean, the suggestion is that this is all part of the same sort of secret society of, you know,
0: if you've never looked at the dollar bill, Look it over. <laughs> You've never looked at Look at, at it. the pyramid with the all-seeing eye. Mm-hmm. Why in the f is that on our dollar bill? Right.
1: Why well, I think that most people would say the mainstream ideas. It's pretty much admitted that the founding fathers were Freemasons, and it's a Freemasonic symbol. A lot symbol. of them were, yeah, yeah. I mean, Washington, Franklin. Did you know George Washington the pyramid
0: with the all-seeing eye is a, a Freemasonic, Freemasonic, Freemasonic symbol. symbol? Yes.
1: I mean, look at Washington DC. You see that everywhere. You see the the Egyptian
0: with the all-seeing obelisk.
1: Eye. Well, that doesn't have it on the top, but But Freemasonry tracks its lineage back to ancient Egypt. So you have the pyramid. Then you have the different levels of Freemasonry. Because they borrowed that from ancient history. You have have the different 33 degrees. So
0: all the stuff that we're seeing in the modern day culture with the all-seeing eye, which is everywhere at this point. Yeah, Especially with, with the
1: Illuminati now with it being like popularized. So is it the same
0: people? Is it the same group that is now sort of? I well, that's, mean, that's the, an that's the debate. Question. That's
1: the debate. Is it? Is it a, a carry on of this? Because I, I think it's admitted that the founding of the nation, the way that DC was set up, at least to a degree, it's admitted that you know Freemasons. So they designed certain things to reflect their Freemason um, patronage or their Freemason participation. Right, yeah, which is. Openly connected to ancient Egypt and some of these hieromaph uh, and the yeah the right, early right. rites of Freemasonry. It's a mixture of Christianity with ancient teachings, which goes back to Rosicrucianism and all this other stuff. Uh, but w- when it comes to like if you're talking about like modern stuff, like Jay Z, that Illuminati stuff, how much of that is? Perpetuation for control, or how much of that is a fad? Like, that's a whole other conversation. I know we talked about the
0: fad thing, but it's it's not a fad at this point. It's routinely used through pop culture for 20, 30 years at this point. Right. It's just blatant everywhere you look. One eye symbolism. One eye symbolism. It's, it, I don't know if it, it's directly related to these starters of society, but whatever it is, it's being.
1: Well, and that's the thing is that we need to have a conversation because we did sort of an episode on that. I think it's now archived, but it's archived. You can access it if you go to. If you sign up at blueful.com and click on the Patreon button, right. our early episodes that were... <laughs> Shameless plug. I'm plugging it just because that's where that episode lives. Because right, it right, was right. early on, we were, you know... What is it? a uh, Illuminati and the... Occult symbolism, symbolism, or something? Celebrity occult. Well, we should do a deeper dive because there, I think what it comes down to is the whole discussion between, like, we know this is part of our history, in at least in this country, and in Europe as well. Um, how much of it is for good? How much of it is a innocent sort of fraternity and how much of it is is there an aspect of it that's nefarious that's, that's sort of some control operation that's something that we discussed in the episode that's something that we should do another episode on really get into that yeah I think it's enough to say that if you look at modern culture and you look at like the uh, the music industry and celebrity you see a lot of symbology that goes way back. And it a lot of it's like carried children's through.
0: shoes now. Yeah, it's
1: carried through <laughs> it's so insane. uh from uh it's intertangled with Freemasonry, but carried through by Rosicrucian symbolism mm-hmm. and going back to the Knights Templar. But is it negative is the question. Yeah. But in theosophy and Rosicrucianism, there's the tie with the ancient Kabbalah and you so you see like Madonna and these, you know, celebrities that are wearing the red red uh, wristband, right? The red thread around what there. What's the
0: feeling you get about it? Do you I mean you always question it, like, do you think there's positivity in it?
1: Well, I think I think I, I honestly think a lot of it's a fad, like we talked about. I don't, I don't. You really think that? Well, I, but I guess I don't see the harm. Okay, if we look at it the way we're looking at this episode, the way we're looking at, we should do it. Like we're going to do a deep dive in, on secret societies and Freemasonry. We've looked at a
0: lot of this stuff, though. You, we you, have, but this is just your general feeling. You think it's just a fad? That's I think there's, you, a, I think there's a lot of feeling? opportunists
1: that take something that, like, if it becomes popular and it becomes this spooky conspiracy like in kind the, of thing. In the
0: top companies, you think it's. Well, give me an example. Like Nike shoes, or yeah, yeah. I think if
1: that where it's a branding thing, that could be okay. We know in the rap industry, like the K- it's heavy. It's 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 a it's a right. very sought after idea. People are the Illuminati. People rap it all the time. So if you're Nike, you know that a lot of people in that culture buy those shoes. Why would you not put an Illuminati symbolism on your shoe and sell that? Doesn't mean that you're pushing an idea. You don't think
0: it has anything with ritualism? In, I'm in not the, saying
1: that that doesn't exist. I mean in all pop the culture. things that are
0: going on in our culture right now, like the massive upheavals, the social unrest.
1: Yeah, I don't know how much of that is engineered by. Say the all-seeing eye, that branch of a secret society. I'm not saying that Do there's you think no that what's
0: going on in the world is natural. No, I don't think there's occurrence. anything that
1: goes on right now that's major that there's not a secret hand involved in. So how does that not relate to? Because it? I don't think necessarily a logo on a shoe necessarily is part of the agenda. I think Chris, what it sounds like you're saying is
0: that there is there are people that are opportunists. That's possible. I'm not saying there aren't, but you like, I mean, when you see hundreds and thousands of pictures of the top celebrities, top companies, all doing the same symbolic, ritualistic acts, those are the people that are pushing the narrative. They're funneling the minds of the masses down certain roads. And if you believe a lot of these groups have, it's like, it's based on ritual. And when you have mass ritual by them engaging in this stuff, yeah, it creates like even the mask. I've been thinking about this a lot. I'm not going down this rabbit hole, but I'm just saying, if you think about eyes wide shut and stuff like that, like what's happening now with the masks, I feel like it could be partly ritualistic. It's not impossible where the culture is wearing masks in some sort of mass, massive
1: ritualistic uh, exactly. operation. I mean,
0: I'm just throwing that out right, there. Right, I don't right. know,
1: but it's very esoteric. But it's, it is it's yeah, impossible. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I don't think that that, that the idea of these these rituals playing out in pop culture and modern society that are done on a large scale that's not happening i'm not saying that at all you're saying not every example is not necessarily... well not every example and also what is the originate like when we talk about the rosicrucians or we talk about the freemasons the founders things like that how much of it is nefarious and how much of it was there corruption at some point because it seems like a lot of the liturgy a lot of the information here is that it's the idea of moving humanity in a good direction there's a certain point where it seems like there takes it takes a nefarious well, turn potentially, but that's a different conversation. John and I were talking about this during the break. But the idea that uh, you have a group, right, early on, you could talk about the Rosicrucians, the uh, early Freemasons at the higher levels, especially Manly P. Hall, where he talks about ushering in a new age in a secret order, secret knowledge being passed down that the masses should not have access to because it can corrupt the value of those Alchemical sciences, those mystery schools. So it's an elite group that gets the information, and based on their understanding and based on their will, they will shape the destiny of humankind. So even if you could say, like, you know, they may have good intentions initially, or they could have good intentions now, regardless, if you believe in free and independent thought and free choice, you're robbed of that if a secret hidden hand is guiding. And I'm not saying that everything that they do is nefarious, but it's a secret. the idea of social engineering. And
0: we are- We're being socially engineered to the nth degree right now. And as
1: JFK would say, what'd he say? We are as a nation opposed to secret societies. Right, (laughs) right, Right. right? so that's that famous quote.
3: The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are as a people inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. Even today, there is little value in opposing the threat of a closed society by imitating its arbitrary restrictions. Even today, There is little value in ensuring the survival of our nation if our traditions do not survive with it. And there is very grave danger that an announced need for increased security will be seized upon by those anxious to expand its meaning to the very limits of official censorship and concealment. That I do not intend to permit to the extent that it's in my control. And no official of my administration, whether his rank is high or low, civilian or military, should interpret my words here tonight as an excuse to censor the news, to stifle dissent, to cover up our mistakes, or to withhold from the press and the public the facts they deserve to know.
1: But it's true, like, I mean, we we must believe in open and free information, freedom right. of speech, no, I agree. freedom to... And the
0: individual. Uh, and the right. individual,
1: yeah. And of course, there are masses, but the problem is you create a mob when you do not educate the masses with, especially if there's like these exactly. secret symbols and mystery schools, you hold that back then exactly, you, you, create They're a, creating you create a mob you can control. Chaos. Right, but I guess my point was when, in regards to this episode right. the idea of Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, you know right. George Washington completely opposed to the idea of a tyrannical government telling you what you should do and think. Their whole thing was about individuality yeah, and freedom of off, speech, uh, right? The whole purpose, it. at least of their Freemasonry was to give a country to a people what that is- wanted to have their own individuality. And this goes into another topic where there is an argument that through Freemasonry, there was a corruption of Freemasonry the by the Rite, Bavarian yeah. Illuminati that came through the Scottish Rite. that Which is p- an episode we should do. Right. But right now we're just talking about specifically the founding of the country, which had great ideals in the right. sense of breaking off the chains of a monarchy, a constitutional republic where the people get to elect and decide, but there's a set of laws that protect the rights of the individual. Like, that's all important, and that's what this is all about. Yeah, and we haven't even gotten to the vampire. And we haven't gotten to the vampire. we got a
0: train in the background, though. Yeah.
1: All right, yeah, before we get into the vampire stuff, which is fascinating, we kind of talked about the professor and his implications that he may be the same character at the founding, which could be... Count de Saint-Germain, the immortal. Mm -hmm. Um, Before we get into his connection with the vampire, right, and the manuscript that he wrote called the Triangular Manuscript, which is fascinating in its own right, um, we're going to take a break. So many rabbit holes. And when we take this break, we're going to give you guys a quick preview of our expansion episode on... uh, Ouija boards gone wild. Yeah, Chris is really excited about this. If you want some good Ouija board stories, this is the episode to listen to. Talk about some creepy uh, hidden knowledge coming from potentially disembodied spirit uh, connections, Right? I mean, in the sense that it is a lot of the stuff like the mystics and the the Gnostics and the, uh, the Theosophists, there's a connection to not specifically speaking to the dead. But oh, I see. You're trying this to mystical, tie in yeah, this tying episode in. to the expansion episode. <clears throat> if you want secret knowledge of the beyond, you go to the Ouija board, which right. I don't recommend, but we have a book about it. Yeah, this is a great collection. There's contemporary stories, unheard stories. There's also stories from newspaper collections from like the 20s and 30s. We're going to pick the best and we're going to cover them. I mean, the Ouija board is a fascinating device. We've talked about it in episodes before. Uh, you can think what you want about it. You have your own personal perspectives on whether it's demons. good or bad. Was it the demons, as John demons. might suggest? Is it more of an indifferent sort of device that nope. it's a doorway to either? a Good or bad or just doorway indifferent? Doorway to the devil. Oh, well, John I think... Okay, that's John's <laughs> point of view. You don't want to mess with uh, the Ouija board. I'm going to go with the Art Bell advice. Yeah, I mean, I think we all kind of are in agreement with that. I've and used it before, but... I wouldn't recommend it. Most of the stories in here are sort of, uh, you know, foreboding, warning stories. There's all there's stories that are <laughs> there's stories that are a little more like, oh, uh, that isn't that interesting. You Maybe know? you should get some lottery tickets. Right. Well, there's a lot of that. Most people lose all their uh, their livelihood when they do that. According to the Seriously? Ouija board in this up uh, in this book, we're we're gonna get into they some lose of that their stuff. Their
0: livelihood. Well,
1: there's people that lose a lot of money. Like, really? They gamble yeah. with it. Oh yeah. Because the, the phenomenon with the Ouija board is it's anything that comes from a sort of spiritual source, whether it's Ouija boards or psychics or tarot cards. If you get direct advice to do something, most people think because it is of a spiritual nature, because it's something you can't see, they have knowledge that you're not aware Supernatural of. Supernatural information. Right. What a lot of people don't understand is that a lot of these guys are trickster spirits. Or I would say all would of say them demons. Um, Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I think there are legit cases. of no,
0: You're not going to find a benevolent being through a Ouija board, in my opinion.
1: I think there's an argument to be made that it can be used as a conduit to... I think it's always a risk. Do I think that it's always some dark force that comes through? No, I think that there are spirits that might come through. But I think... no, oh, you're wrong, You're rolling though. the dice. Rolling the dice. Well, this is where we can agree to disagree. Now, roll the dice with us on the expansion episode. It's true. Yeah. You should do that. Either way. You get we got s- a stinger. Oh, we do. All right. Before we go to break, let's play uh, a stinger from a a stinger level patron, which are rare nowadays. Nikki Rice. Should I tell my little story?
0: This is for Ni- Nicole, right? Y- mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the stingers for Nicole, but yeah. this is for Joe. Her hubby. Her hubby. You
1: have a you have a special memory. If
0: it wasn't for your family, Joe, I would have <laughs> never watched a horror movie. The first. Yeah, this is interesting. The f- when I I remember growing up and spending a lot of time with Rob, your brother. Uh, growing up at your house and uh, I remember your mom kept trying to get me to watch horror movies I don't remember which ones it was his mom it was his mom yes it was I don't know what horror it was just scary movies and I did not want to John you gotta watch Candyman with me I don't remember what it was I think that was before Candyman it's the opposite of our mom who was like she hated (laughs) all things horror I loved your mom I love both your parents by the way his parents are so sweet yeah they're awesome people what did his dad always say to you
3: Johnny baby
0: that's right (laughs) every time I saw him Good old Ron. Anyways. This is for Nikki. This is for
1: Nikki. Nikki, Good friend of ours from the hometown.
3: Hello, this is Chris. Please leave a message after the tone. Chris,
2: don't ever deny my call ever again.
0: That's her voicemail, right?
2: (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) fan of the <laughs> podcast. I I love the nitty gritty. I love <laughs> the um spooky stuff, the
1: conspiracy the nitty gritty oh this opinion that opinion that opinion like let's get into some like JFK <laughs> shit let's get into some um conspiracy <laughs> like your vaccine shit that episode I really enjoyed it conspiracy the I have my own opinion I have a
0: child, but I don't like. I don't like. Like to each their own, man. Yeah. That's Just right. don't get my kids sick.
2: <laughs> 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 oh, wait, hold on. Let's, oh, I'm beeped. That means my time is up. Call me back. Call us back tonight. Now, what else are you doing? What are you
1: doing? That is a good question. What else are you doing, Chris? I I'm with nothing. <laughs> That's good. So that's
0: obviously some voicemail compilation.
1: Yes, yes. With some uh uh Jackson Five inspired <laughs> Yeah, like uh, music Jackson 5? Five feel. Very upbeat. Yeah. I like that. Thank you, Nikki, for uh your voicemails. I like that she likes the nitty gritty. Yeah. Like, into yeah, the, I know the we, dirty, we, edgy. We, we, we had a
0: little nitty-gritty in this one. Like, yeah, I like the nitty. We have a lot of more nitty-gritty conversations off the air.
1: And sometimes that's in the expansion. So if you if you want to hear some of the more, you know, if you got a little I'd like little to bring skin, the nitty
0: gritty into our conversations, but on know, I'm the main getting field. a little pushback yeah. over here.
1: I like to keep it you like to keep common it. collected in the whole, not common collected. I yeah. like the whole to be a
0: place of distraction from the craziness of the world. Sometimes it's it's good to have our opinions on the craziness in the world. Right. Yeah, well,
1: think- well, we might get to that. But as for right now, if you're interested in hearing some more, you know, maybe controversial uh, conversations, <laughs> head on to Patreon because that's yeah, where. If you're not to, uh, if you love us enough to sign up for the Patreon, you might be, you might love us might enough to not get offended by some sort of opinion we have. Yeah, it's all about conversation. I, I love. Uh, Nikki's perspective about to each it's their the own man, to each their own. She has her opinions. We right. can have our everyone can have their opinions. The point is, you got to talk about it, and that's what makes life interesting. Even if it's especially nowadays when it's dangerous to say certain things, it's important to be able to talk about it. You know, which is why we'll hide it behind a paywall. Go to <laughs> our expansion episodes and off for the now. cuffs. No, but seriously, we've talked about censorship before on the show, and you know, it is a uh, interesting time for free speech for. Free voices and... Uh,
0: there's just... There's certain things you can't talk about anymore. It's really sad. Yeah, it sucks because you can't... I mean, you have to censor yourself. Well, though, the, the hard
1: thing is, I think, forever and always, the truth will be you needed to be able to talk about things to That's really to make up the your first mind. First Amendment.
0: They right. knew how important... Right. On this 4th of July episode, it's still an important freaking amendment. As long as you're not hurting anyone physically, you, you should have the right... To express your point of view, because if not, it festers. You push people underground and you're not allowed to talk anymore. It causes violence. The, the dangerous thing is
1: when you start to, and I think the founders, you know, people have their opinions, especially now about the founders and, you know, their different characters and their choices in life. But one thing that they recognize that I think is still absolutely true to this day is if you censor people from voicing their own opinions, then you don't have a discussion where it really allows people to understand other people's points of view and you don't have the ability to decide for yourself what the truth is. And if you start to censor some people, even if you disagree with them, even if what you think they say is abhorrent, if you start to censor those people, then you start to build this sort of road to tyranny, this sort of road to fascism, really. That's what yeah, it that's yeah, what it's becomes.
0: it's just one size fits all. Well,
1: and then you get tribal uh, collectives. And especially when it comes to like, hey, if they're censoring that and I, I agree with some of what they're saying, and they censor that, you're going to go full steam into what's underground. And I think the best thing that you can have in an open society is
0: open have speech. all the ideas in the open. So exactly. You can, you can find the ones that are bad, too. Right. Yeah. Like, if you say, you can't say that anymore for whatever reason... Then you force people underground, and you make people upset, and they form. You know what I and mean? They, and like they don't get to, and they
1: don't get to hear the debate, right? About exactly. It.
0: And then you can't prove people wrong. It's, right. It's part of the reason I think there's such incredible censorship right now is because there's a lot of amazing ideas that really could help humanity in yes. a lot of amazing ways, but it would mess up the power structure. Right. Yeah. And so this whole like idea of censoring and like hate speech and things like that really come down to monopolizing ideologies where you can't talk because there's power invested. whether,
1: Whether you're left or right, you should agree that censoring people from any point of view is dangerous. You should have these conversations for future generations. As long you're sake future, inciting
0: violence. Exactly.
1: For future generations, you should be having these conversations because you know what? There's been these divides in countries since the beginning of man. There's been these conflicts. There's different shades of it, but always these same conflicts come up. If you start to censor the conversation, if you start to pretend like one side isn't having this discussion, then you start to grow this cancerous mass that like I was talking about. The biggest danger I see is you start censoring, you go down that, that road of... Uh, These keywords are censored. Anyone that utters this or has this opinion is bad. You vilify an entire group that may... Agree with you, 99% on everything, but there's one thing that they say, they become the villain, and then you divide a people, and then you turn your neighbors into your enemies. And that's when we lose our communities. That's when we lose the ability to communicate and to talk and to bring up new great ideas because everyone's afraid to communicate. Everyone looks at each other like either a potential enemy. And you're
0: stopping research from history, too. If you start erasing past and you don't have access to the true information anymore because it... It's not allowed to be there. Then how do
1: you stop it from happening again? You, there's no way to even Reminds understand what's of, going on there's anymore. There's this exactly. great book, uh, and I think it was made in a movie, which probably wasn't great. But there's a great book called The Giver. The idea was there was a guy... Not The Giving
0: Tree. No, that's oh, also that's a great book.
1: The Giver was—it was basically like there was a society, it kind of runs a brand new world way, where there's a society where everybody is given a, an occupation when they reach, you know, pubescence. When they reach like adolescence, they become apprentices to a certain occupation. There's one person in the community who is an apprentice to the Giver. The giver is the one guy who has all the stored knowledge, all the things that no one else knows. Everything was deleted. It consists of religions. It consists of, oh, animals used to be real. They're not, they weren't, you know, like elephants are now monsters because no one has seen them. So they're like stuffed animals. Um, it's this collection of uh, history that is dangerous now because there were religions that pitted people against each other. It's this idea of the ancient history. So this giver has all this information. He gives it to one guy. That guy gets a whole day, all the information. You know, it's seeing in color because everybody's medicated to the degree where if you can see in color, everybody has passion. There is uh, more conflict because you can see these colors and every, there's more, you know, all that excitement.
2: Yeah, so everybody's emotion. dumbed down.
1: So this one kid gets all, he has this burden of holding all this information of what humanity used to be, which was passion, color, religion, faith, emotion. spirituality, emotion. And he has to be the one guy who will never share it with anyone, but give it to the next giver. And that is, I think the, that, the allegory, I think the, the message in that right in if you think I'm wrong but the message seems if we become a society where there's only one person or no one that has that information or a very
0: few right
1: then we're doomed to repeat the same things that wherever we get to in society if we hide those things away and we forget about those things they will come back That right. is the nature of humanity You have to learn from your mistakes yeah. I mean
0: we're repeating history right now like history rhymes it doesn't repeat but it rhymes and what's going on in our country right now is echoes of the past it's all around the world right now and uh if you don't understand the past, you're going to be doomed to repeat it. And it can be clouded and cloaked in ideal,
1: a shroud of goodness and goodwill and intent. That's usually how totalitarian authoritarians work. If they pull on certain emotions to mislead, better mankind by burying a certain aspect of history and a certain thought process of other people, and then you, you define what is good, and then you falsely define the alternative side and create a villain, of your neighbor, of anyone with any kind of dissimilar idea, then you create monsters within your own community and you destroy a country from within.
0: Divide and conquer. Oldest trick in the book. Right.
1: And so, the, and look like independence, right? We're talking about this guy who came into the declaration to sign. It's that, all coming you know, back. Go away from Britain. Like in the day, you couldn't say anything about the king right? You couldn't criticize the monarch. That's why they came to this new world, right? Granted, all of the problems that came with that and all the injustices that happened, but the urge to find freedom, the urge to be able to speak your mind and have an opinion, that was the impetus for the founding of this country. And that's why it's important on this 4th of July, you know, I'm, you know, not like I'm a super patriotic guy, but I am in the sense that like this stuff is important. Yeah, freedom speech, of speech. Speak your mind, people. Yeah, freedom. Whatever, whatever your view is, the discussion is important, right? No matter your race, creed, color, you have to be able to speak your mind and think how you think and share it with people. Yeah, because if you don't, the world Otherwise, is going yeah, in a bad it, direction.
0: You need that's part of your humanity. It's the it's a basic tenet of humanity.
1: I Absolutely, think. freedom of thought. Let's move on. You yes. know, you're talking about <laughs> monsters. I knew we weren't going to get. going to get to the vampires? We stuff? Do, Yeah. Well, <laughs> hold on. So, anyways, enjoy this expansion
0: preview. <laughs> I Holy want vampires. Crap. We didn't even go to the break? No, you, you, we got into the, the stinger. I want
1: vampires. I want the nitty-gritty. Wow,
0: that was like 15 minutes of just That total... was
1: all, thanks to Nicole, that was all banter about uh, freedom of thought and the nitty-gritty conspiracy stuff. Yeah, that was a little nitty-gritty. It's 4th of July, so forgive us some uh, real conversation about, uh, you know, the Bill of Rights. Yes. Anyways, enjoy this expansion preview, and we will see you on the other side. With vampires. will get back into the vampires and the immortals that started this
3: country.
2: With vampires.
0: Expansion episode Preview
1: Access granted
0: They opened the door mm-hmm.
1: well, You know there, there's stories that are seemingly innocuous But it is a doorway And when you open that doorway
0: You're offering a hand into the other dimension you, you, you don't through.
1: know who's on the other side it is exciting. It is this mystery. It is the age old question of, is there life after death? Can I find evidence? I want to know what's going on. I'd like to- Just want to hang out with the ghosts. Yeah, or whatever. Or, or even it's partially that feeling of a kid when you're magic. you're young and you want to believe in magic. Yeah, You know, it's that same sort of thing. Like I want a little bit of mystery magic in Almost my like life. It's like a superpower. Yeah. yeah, it's part of the compelling aspect of it, but it is a doorway. And even though there are some innocuous accounts, there are plenty of accounts where something does come through that maybe you didn't plan on coming through, but you don't really get to
0: choose. Exactly, you're throwing your your reel into a place that you don't know what's underneath. Right, there it. might
1: be alligator gar in there.
0: Most likely, it's alligator gar and sharks, yeah. and not like a, a guppy gill
1: and, or a manatee or a mermaid. Manatees are adorable. Well, you know, those are the stories that you're going to hear from people because the dark ones are the ones that people are going to recount because that's the drama. Well, I think that's who wants to
0: you know play with humans. Go in that little room in the basement and go in the wine cellar and then take that phone app that's just spits out words and ask it questions
1: oh that, that sounds scary right it now. is scary. even though i'm five course lights in that still sounds kind of scary right now
0: i bet you'd get something when i did that in my house last time i got a bite and it fucked with my dog Do mm-hmm. you want me
1: to bring that back in here
0: no i don't. i'm joking but you it, know, it could happen that's though. the thing is like it, it is- might happen
1: tonight Like these people that have had the experience with Ouija boards, I am intrigued. It is compelling. I often want to pull out the Ouija board that I have And do it, but I never do because I always think at the end of the day, I don't want that darkness in my life. If I open that doorway, I'd have no control over that. Because I've had it's compelling because
0: you you know, if you get a bite, it it confirms it's exciting. A a lot of you know, it means there's something else that we can't see in the end. It's a little taste of magic, something
1: other than Polar Pops and Circle K and the DMV and
0: something magical. And yeah, there's a whole uncharted world of reality that no one talks about probably influences our world a lot yeah we just can't see it, it gives you a glimpse into the
1: unseen world that's right. just behind the veil Welcome back, guys. Welcome back. hope you enjoyed that expansion preview. Yes. Of the Ouija boards. Ouija. It's going to be a fun episode. It's going to be a great one. I we're excited about we're it. finally getting into, speaking of Ouija boards and demonology, we're finally getting into the vampire aspect of the Count of St.
0: Germain. Finally. Feels like it's been a long time because we've had a lot of conversations. It's off been a long night for us.
1: Yeah, it's it's a one fifty two a.m. right now. Wow, we've sure. we've
0: had a lot of off-air beliefful yes. conversations. and
1: right several now. drinks. So, anyway, how about the vampire connection? Yes, with Saint Germain. So we mentioned earlier one of the last alleged sightings of Saint Germain took place in Louisiana, New Orleans, mm, okay. to be precise. Now we're going to get into Jacques Saint-Germain. Okay, so this gets into the, yeah, the weird vampire aspect. Okay, so when I was researching Saint-Germain, right, the Count of Saint-Germain, uh, and the, the immortality, I started to pick up these uh, these subtle inferences, these hints of his influence on modern culture. He's an immortal. He drinks the elixir of life, a.k.a. I don't know, some could say blood, Blue. right? Which, of course, is not part of the, his history. His history is the elixir of life, the philosopher's stone. There's actually a guy I was I was looking at on YouTube who's in Hawaii who uh, tells you how to make the uh, the Saint Germain's elixir
0: bullshit. Which, which <laughs> oh, well, sure.
1: no, it was actually kind of interesting. He, <laughs> cool. uh, it reminded me Remember Dan the is man? His friends with Humble. Yeah, the Universal Church. Yeah, but the, it reminded me of <laughs> uh, the stuff we used to like the juicing and the cleansing. But mm-hmm. what's interesting is like he showed how to make it. And apparently, it's open source information. Uh, but he collected the morning dew and
0: filtered it through a that's coffee beautiful. press. That's pretty amazing. And
1: added some other things. Uh, and like I said, He like,
0: filtered the morning dew. Yes, <laughs> he went out in the
1: springtime. That's awesome. Isn't it? So he's in Hawaii. We'll put a link to this guy in the chat. That's
0: there. just mine. It blows that my mind. That seems like bullshit. What makes
1: it more authentic. Is he selling it? No. Okay. It's. it's uh, he shows you how to make it, but he also links and sell the recipe. He links where you can find, like I guess Saint Germain's actual, like.
0: I mean, recipe. I don't know how good that is for you, but it sounds awesome. But
1: he felt so he gets collects the morning dew. <laughs> where it's just water. <laughs> what is he a? It's like the a breath lepergon? of God, you know. <laughs> a it's the breath of God drifting upon the leaves. No, it's of, awesome. Of the morning. morning
0: dew is wonderful.
1: Yeah, so you can only collect it during the spring. And he's in Hawaii, and there's a very brief window where he can collect it. But he was collecting it and putting it through a filter, and then adding other certain things. And he's, you know, promoting using it. But he's, yeah, he didn't sell anything that I could, I could see. Well, we'll link to his video in the show notes. I think he has like, I don't know, 400 views and two likes on his YouTube video, which, which to me adds authenticity to what he's (laughs) doing, you know. Um, But it's fascinating. But this idea that he had this elixir, right? But of course, we're going to twist it now. We're going to go to the. The, ins- the dark side. The inspiration of the modern vampire. Because what is interesting is that according to the last fella he was staying with, right? Prince Kess or Hess or mm-hmm. king of whoever, whatnot. As the castle? Yeah, the castle. <laughs> Hassel Something Castle. Like he was staying with this king. This is his official death. Of course, there was no official burial. Right, he, right. He wasn't there to see him die. But he supposedly confided in him that he was the prince, the son of Prince Francis II, Rocoxy of Transylvania. <laughs> Transylvania. Transylvania. Yeah. Transylvania. So he's an immortal. Uh, the best possible official scenario of his lineage comes from being a prince of Transylvania who has an elixir of immortality, right? All of these things to me sound like an inspiration for
0: Dracula. Well, was interesting right? because... Here's my elixir for immortality. That's great, John. Queer's Light will take great. you all the way. <laughs> will take you all the way.
1: It is interesting because the signet of the original vampire, Vlad Dracula the Actual historical figure, yes, this was, was the dragon, right? It's another connection, yeah. And what's in this image right here? Okay, so there are two, two uh, written works attributed to Saint Germain, the Count of Saint Germain. Uh, one of which is the most holy Trinisophia, which I'm not going to get into here, but it's it's attributed to him according to Manly P. Hall. And this is fascinating too because it, it wasn't deciphered until 2009. No, 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 this is this a different one. This, okay. is, this is the first one that's attributed to him. What is interesting about this document is it is ciphered. And it contains, according to uh, researchers, the most elaborate cipher known to man. It has combinations of Sumerian, Egyptian hieroglyphics, all kinds of ancient languages, twisted and written, French, upside down, backwards. And to this day, I don't know if anyone has transcribed it, but the other manuscript, the one that I'm interested in today, is called the Triangular Manuscript. Mm. So this was also acquired by... Manly P. Hall, uh, by way of another Freemason from France. He's got his fingers in everything. And he sure does. But what's interesting about this one to me is this one actually has his name on the manuscript. It's shaped like a triangle. Oh, I see right here in the image. That's yeah, the manuscript begins with a short Latin inscription mentioning that this is a gift given by Count of St. Germain, followed by an illustration of a winged dragon. dragon. Mm-hmm. Like Vlad family. Exactly. So this is another connection to the idea of Dracula, the dragon, the the One Who Feeds on Blood for Immortality, uh, this this concept that carries forth. What's interesting is after that first Latin inscription with his name and the dragon, everything beyond that point is written in cipher. And this this is an ancient text from the 1700s. And what do we know about Count St. Germain? He's immortal. He's immortal. He's rich. and no one sees He's meat. an alchemist. Mesmerizing All these eyes. Mesmerizing eyes. But there's this book attributed to him that no one knew what it was other than it has his name in it because no one could decipher it. Until 2011. Yeah, that's what's interesting. It was a good year. Finally deciphered in 2011, it describes, guess what? Just like everyone thought about the Count of St. Germain. It describes, after finally being deciphered in 2011, a magical ritual by which one can perform the two most extraordinary feats that characterize the legend of Count St. Germain, namely, the procurement of great wealth and the extension of life. So this was written by... The Count of Saint Germain, when seventeen hundreds, mm-hmm. it wasn't deciphered until two thousand and eleven. Right. So the legend of him being immortal. Right. Whether or not this is true, whether or not he was immortal, whatever, this book is supposedly written by him. It comes from that time period. No one doubts that, and it tells one how to attain immortality. That's, it is interesting because, like, he told all of his friends and everybody in the court that he was three hundred years old and he had this elixir of the life, least. and then he wrote this book apparently, and then in- where's the book? It's right here, probably too. available on Google now. Everything is available on Google. No, this is the thing. It's available at uh, the Getty Library in Los Angeles, which is a, cl- a visual arts library. There's no Amazon Prime option. Initially, it belonged to Manley P. Hall, stored in his library. Uh, I don't know if you can get the full deciphered transcript. I, you can. I think you can only visit it at the Getty Visual Arts so, Library.
0: Well, there's no way we can read the Immortal Life Sequence. That's the secret. <laughs> They're keeping it. Wait, what's it called? I'm gonna look up right That's, now. I want to read
1: it. Yeah. It's called the Triangular Manuscript. The tri- I'm pretty sure I saw this on Amazon Prime. Triangular I'm pretty sure I saw this. The Triangular Book of Saint Germain. Here's multiple images. You I mean you can Wikipedia it. I tried to get this off of uh, several, you know, kind of off. Oh, the it's radar. on Goodreads. Oh yeah, the whole translation? Uh but look at this. The Triangular th- Manuscript of Saint Germain. Hardcover, January first, two thousand eleven, when it was published. Oh, wait, but there's no price option. You can't buy it. I don't think it's just, just listed. That's the Weird. thing. Weird. You can't be immortal. John. I don't think Damn you can it. access the, unless anyone out there who looks knows, like a knows about the triangular manuscript, it is little. the book is literally triangular. Yeah, this is that's the, cool. that's the book, John. It's an equilateral triangle with the dragon on the front, and everything beyond that is a cipher that was not deciphered until 2011, which I, I find fascinating. As, that's cool. Yeah. And then once it was deciphered, it corroborated at least his belief that he could extend his life right. and incur great wealth. That's what's interesting about this is like he told all his friends he was immortal and he had this elixir to life. It is interesting that in 2011 they finally translated the book that he allegedly wrote, and it talks about that elixir of life and the and the ingredients that makes that elixir. That's that's that is fascinating. I would like to read it. I don't like that it's not available on the Amazon. The triangular yeah, manuscript bums me out. If anyone out there, any of our listeners can access the uh, the full transcript of the triangular manuscript, you know, send us an email. Leave a speak pipe for ninety seconds.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure that'll encompass all of the thoughts in the book. Absolutely will. Well, let's
1: get to Jacques Saint-Germain. Okay, so the Jacques Saint Germain. Okay, the vampire. Finally, the we vampire. Set it up. We set up the connections to the vampire. The vampire lore. Like, it could see how that. When I read right. all this about him, it in, it seemed like it would have inspired Dracula to some extent. And there are books on that now. I found where people believe that a lot of the inspiration came from him because he was immortal right. from Transylvania. Well, now he has a. Uh, there's a character. There's a, a book series where he's a character. He and he is a vampire. He he's also in like this other. What's that show that Outlander? Ladies love? Yeah, I heard Outlander. he's an Outlander. I could try to watch it. That first opening with a monologue was just too cheesy. Sorry if you like Outlander. I should, I know I should give another try. Oh, weird weird anecdote. The guy in 1972 claimed to be Count de Saint Germain reincarnated, who eventually committed suicide allegedly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When he died, they made a biopic movie about the life of his uh, oh, this is silly Let's previous wife, the singer. Her name was like Deanna or Diana mm-hmm. or something. Anyways, she was a famous French singer, and in the biopic, the guy who played his character, the Count Saint Germain, Count Saint Germain, immortal, right, was Christopher Lambert. <laughs> you know who Christopher Lambert is? No. He is the guy who played Highlander, the immortal in the science fiction mm. movie. So immortal playing an immortal. I don't think that that's that compelling. I of think a, that's uh, evidence. the Illuminati telling us that he was immortal. That's K. most likely. But that's just a weird it's possible. It's a weird synchronicity. Anyways, let's get into Jacques Jacques Saint Germain. Of new orleans so you think this is the same guy this is the argument okay and you're familiar we talked about interview with vampire basically the Lestat character is based off this character who is tom cruise well it's tom cruise but he is the count saint germain in 1902 a man named jacques saint germain arrived in the new orleans louisiana scene and took up residence at 1041 royal street the home is now part of a vampire tour and is privately owned he was a handsome cavalier a ladies man and was often out and about in the French Quarter's social scene, whether hosting or out at clubs. He was very fond of throwing lavish dinner parties for socialites. <laughs> Invitations were highly sought after due to the food, <laughs> fine wine, and entertainment. Saint-Germain would often regale his guests with stories of his vast travels through France, Italy, Egypt, and other parts of Africa. So just like the previous Saint-Germain,
0: Why same Why is he stories. called Saint-Germain?
1: He named himself that. Really, I think it's still it was a one of his many. Uh, pseudonyms. He had like forty Monitor? aliases. Yeah. yeah,
0: I'm not trying to get sidetracked. That's
1: all right. That's a good question because Jacques Saint Germain claimed to be the son of Saint Germain, the guy who shows up, which would make sense in the time period, would be his son. The age period, another incarnation, maybe. right? But the argument is that he didn't die. He left and went to New Orleans and just pretended to be his son because people would see him and be like, "You look just like this guy." He's like, "Oh, it's my dad." he didn't age, and it was fifty years later mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, he admitted that he basically took on a bunch of different names that weren't his own, which was not uncommon at the time, I guess.
0: It's not really a name, though.
1: <laughs> Count de Saint Germain. What's well, a title? The Count of Saint Germain. He had multiple titles as a lot of nobility at like the time. Jeremy
0: or something. Yeah, well, I could yeah. say people will like, not really named that back then. Jeremy's such a cool name, though. Is it? Why wouldn't you pick I hate, Jeremy? I hate then? my name. <laughs> <laughs> I've grown to love it. So clumsy. I've grown <laughs> to love your name.
1: <laughs> but that was not an uncommon thing to do. Like, I could say, "I am." Uh, the Count of Doylestown. And the, the, you might have 10 the, monikers. Pre, the, the preeminent... <laughs> the, pre-eminent uh, the Count of Like You can give all these monikers to yourself. It wasn't abnormal in the 1700s. Right. Yeah.
0: Okay. And the Royal Apostate of Warwick County. That's hilarious. And the Count of Doylestown.
1: <laughs> so it wasn't abnormal to have a lot of different names for yourself, but the interesting thing always was about Saint-Germain is he never gave his actual origin name. So this guy, this guy Jacques in New Orleans, Jacques of Saint-Germain said he was the son of -hmm. St. Germain. So he was often described as being highly intelligent, a patron of the arts, a master of languages. What? Just like St. Germain. Very wealthy and very fond of Bourbon Street. Who isn't? St. Germain had a solid grasp of English since he had come over from Paris, France. He could in fact speak several languages, fluently English, French, Spanish, and Italian, as noted in tales told about him. He would often talk about things that he had witnessed decades and centuries before, leaving his guests slightly confused and even more enamored with him. Sounds just like St. Germain from 1760s. He even claimed that he was a direct descendant of Count St. Germain from Louis XV's court. Some guests would compare portraits of the count with Jacques. They were positive that he must be related since he looked nearly identical. They were even roughly the same age. Interesting, if you're immortal and pretend to be the son of the same person. Mm-hmm. Jacques would neither confirm nor deny being the count. This simply led to more mystery to his person. Jacques's parties were highly sought after, but several people noted that he never... I part- kind of want to go. To one of his parties? Yeah. I would go.
0: Sounds fun. Just
1: wear a scarf. Like a lead (laughs)
0: scarf. Maybe like a leather. High collar. Leather turtleneck.
1: It's a new rage. Jacques' parties were highly sought after, but several people noted that he never partook in dining with his guests. Hmm, interesting. He simply entertained as they dined and always drank from a rather fancy chalice. Presumably, presumably
0: filled with with wine. Blood. (laughs) Right? New Orleans is a... Big vampire culture. New Uh Orleans. It's It's a spooky town. You
1: know, there is a whole vampire culture there now that's a uh, group of there's like 50 admitted vampires in New Orleans that are on the registry they're pretenders will they say that they have a medical condition they have to drink blood then all the other abilities or aspects to their vampirismness mm-hmm. but they are a <laughs> protected class oh my gosh anyway so these rumors took a sinister turn several months after Saint Germain's arrival to New Orleans when the police were called to Saint Germain's home to investigate the circumstances leading to a woman who had seemingly fallen to her death
0: from his balcony. His guest, a woman who was rumored to have been a prostitute, had in fact leapt from his balcony rather than fallen, as bystanders had originally surmised. While she survived the fall, she was terrified. People on the street surrounded her and tended to her needs while help was rounded. Hysterical, the woman ranted that she had jumped to escape St. Germain, who had bitten her neck. She screamed and sobbed out her story, claiming she was only able to escape when her assailant was briefly distracted by a rather loud knocking on his door. I don't like the Saint Germain very much anymore. Well, again, we'll get into this. The woman was taken to the hospital as soon as possible and the police suspecting that she had become delusional told the very well-known affluent and respected Saint Germain not to bother coming in for questioning at this late hour but rather to please visit the police station in the morning to go over the accounts of the evening. Dicks. The next morning, St. Germain never appeared at the police station. In fact, to everyone's chagrin, he had completely vanished overnight, leaving the majority of his belongings behind. Legend contends that upon entering his house, the police discovered a series of open but corked wine bottles.
3: We got a lot of
0: weird wine bottles here, Sarge. Upon closer investigation, they found that the large collection of bottles were filled with a strange mixture of wine and human blood.
1: <gasps> Sounds like you see where this is
0: Jacques Saint-Germain was never seen again. He disappeared just as mysteriously as he had arrived. <laughs> as one can only imagine, his contemporaries were shocked at the scandal. Feeling both betrayed and fooled, and probably a little disappointed, the fun had come to an end. (laughs) 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 According to Michael Murphy's book, Fear Dat New Orleans, there are ongoing sightings of Vampire Jack in New Orleans. In 1933, the New Orleans police were called to Royal Street, where for two consecutive nights, women were found with their throats torn out, and they were drained of blood. A witness claims to have seen the man scale a 12-foot wall to make his escape. Well, that all sounds made up.
1: Oh, well, I mean, sounds nothing like the yeah. the Count de Saint Germain that we had discussed all the time. That's true. He traded his is grass dew elixir of life for Yeah. Prostitute blood. I think there might <laughs> <Prostitute> be <blood. laughs> There might be some truth Ugh. to the account, but I don't I obviously it seems exaggerated, a lot of hyperbole. It sounds like someone wrote it after watching an interview. Right, with the and Empire. there's not a lot of historical references that relate to the story other than like tourist blogs and things I like that. I say condemn him. <laughs> damn him
0: I say he's real and condemned he's him. a racist and a vampire <laughs> he hates women obviously he's a misogynist racist vampire the worst of the kind so I don't think he was a
1: real guy I think well but it is interesting like I think that okay the the idea of this is Jacques Saint-Germain I don't know the historical references are slim the idea that there is this in 1933 this guy Jack who was creepy that's still to this day where did you get this from? Uh, do you want the re- you the, want the rest source? were like historically reference to oh, a, I'll give you sources, writings of
0: give you sources King Louis this is
1: I mean this is no this is from a lot of the same sources that I mm. pulled from earlier yeah. there's less the, oh, all the other sources had more other sources backing them up this was kind of
0: like it got thinner is it from Nosferatu.com exactly
1: is mm-hmm. it from like New Orleans in yeah, ancient origins blog ancient origins.net and uh finding countermay which we used for a lot of this because a lot of it's historical but yes it is thin with the sources there's only like one or two um, and it does seem heavy in the narrative. And it totally changes his character yeah. as far as like, he was like a charming guy who,
0: you know, there was no, well, he was a charm he charmed her and then he bit her.
1: Yeah, what that's if the true. entire time in the 1700s he was I just I don't understand feeding? how
0: that goes against his personality, to be honest, because well, that was private.
1: You don't hear references to he got drinking of blood, unless King Louis helped hide. Well, they were all his, doing it back then, didn't you? We talked about Bathory earlier. They're all doing true. it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like the Hollywood pedophile no, thing. And so maybe no it's one thought to mention it's true. it, it's
1: common. It's probably true. It, I, don't I feel know.
0: like it could be true. I
1: don't know. I like to think, well, if you listen to, I, I doubt that uh, Theosophists would agree with this last incarnation of Saint Germain no, the they would not they would be offended by they it they would be like uh, an, Madame Madame Blavatsky, an Blavatsky ascended master would... would not
0: be drinking the blood of prostitutes right in, on Bourbon Street he would only drink the blood of virgins I don't think he'd drink any blood willing willing virgins that's a whole other an ascended master
1: yeah ascended master you're not gonna want to bite anybody really yeah
0: this is Madame Blavatsky says mm-hmm. this she'd be rolling over in a grave if she heard what you just said about Saint Germain, Jacques, Ma- Saint Germain. Madame Blavatsky is she's the founder of
1: the Theosophical Society yeah. Isn't
0: she, like, associated with
1: Aleister Crowley and stuff? Alistair Crowley was Not inspired... Not of what you're thinking, though. Aleister no. Crowley was inspired by her writings of the... Uh... I
0: remember you talking about her. The idea in regards... of the Ascended
1: Masters, the idea that there is a, a group of people that are trying to push humanity to good. Aleister Crowley was intrigued by that concept, by there was a book... Didn't Madame Blavatsky, though, do some weird shit, though? Not... I, I think she seems strange because she... Is a theo- her her religion theosophy is a mixture of mysticism and Christianity. She didn't there's, have any strange no, like, practices satanic, or anything. No, there's nothing like that. I mean, there's there's mysticism, there's mediumship, but there's no like uh, drinking of like blood and stuff. No, 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 maybe channeling and, and mediumship. Alistair Crowley definitely took her stuff and then had a new kind of twist, which involved a lot more. Like he had he had writings, of course, about like the the Debauchery of man to push through to the, well, yeah, the here, next ascended here, level. Here's the here's the difference. So, Alistair Crowley, he was when he was first interested in the idea of this. He heard about this idea of the uh, Masters of what was it? Uh, the Council of Light, which was by a guy called Carl von Eckerhausen? Uh in 1752. Right. Uh, he was pointed toward this guy's work, but this guy's work was not demonic. It was not satanic. It was an idea of there's a Council of Light, basically like it's sort of Christian background that's pointing people to a humanity, to a direction of positivity, but he, he was in in search of this. So he looked at this. uh, So there's a connection with that. Wherever he went after that, that was not this guy's thing, but the connection is Helena Blavatsky, the masters of the hidden brotherhood is a similar idea of the council of light. And that's the same idea Extrapolated. We'll we'll do a whole episode on this. (laughs) But it's not all all the same thing. There are different connections and they all go through back and forth. But Alistair Crowley's interpretation was an interpretation and extrapolation of these old mystery schools, but then. You know, yeah, they they brought into his own interpretation, which, of course, that get that gets into our episode about the the conjuring of the, the beast of Loch Ness. Right, you can see and you can see the uh, corruption of some of these demons, ideas summoning demons or the the kings it of hell. They wanted to summon the demons
0: to make the world better. Right, that right. was that was the idea that, behind. I just I don't buy that. Right, but it
1: came from. Uh, but that was a fun episode. That it came, from a Salmon, came from Solomon. Came from Solomon, biblical guy who could control demons. He was on, you know, the side of right, the side of God, but who did practice. Solomonic magic, magic to control demons for the good of mankind. Alistair Crowley tried to repeat that same
0: the same ceremony. tried to control demons. What do you mean by control demons for the good of... Like make them stop well, listen to ep- season people, one episode. Like control them to... What?
1: Okay, if you guys haven't heard this, we covered this in an episode. It was called something like Alistair Crowley and the Beast of Loch Ness or... The Loch Ness. You don't did. know the name of it, John? I can't remember the name of it. But it was a cursed episode that we did. And we talked about the curse of Aleister Crowley, right? And we ended up having to record the episode two whole times. Because we recorded the first one and it was corrupted. The whole audio file, we oh, were yeah, sure cursed. that it was the curse of Aleister Crowley. It was It was a weird, weird experience. It is one of my favorite episodes. I think uh, it was one of the most, I think, well-researched episodes. And really, the storytelling was great. It was called... Uh, ba, 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 ba. the black shuck. Oh, that's right. The black shuck, hellhounds and Alistair Crowley's that's Loch Ness Monster. Right. It was monster. kind of a mixed episode. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good episode, but I think that's the point of it was Aleister Crowley took things in a different direction. Mm-hmm. He he was uh, inspired by these ideas. A lot of people say he was trying to promote these ideas of light in humanity, furthering the, the divine direction of humanity, but he was using a lot of things. And a lot of his writings like you know, did talk about some things that dude, were look like at the sacrifice. Dude's and, eyes. Yeah, he
0: he looks like a dark figure. For well, sure, you
1: say this though with people, you can't judge a book by the cover. His, dude,
0: he has like black robes in his eye, like the dude. Black robes looked, in well, his he, eye. He he
1: was into the the sex magic, the dark black sex right, right. magic. All right, this is not an
0: episode of Ask Crowley. I know, you know, but like, I mean, I just don't understand why the need to defend these. I'm not people. defending him. I'm just, you but you can't, you can't. You can't. You're like, don't don't judge a demon worshiper by its cover.
1: No, I'm not saying that. Well, he didn't worship. He He's trying it, to control. Supposedly. Aleister Crowley is not Helena Blavatsky.
0: Blavatsky he is
1: not Eric von Hockenschein or whatever. But they, there are similar tenets that they, throughout time, each of them globbed onto, mm-hmm. which is this idea of this Council of Light that's helping humanity through certain times. Basically, the carrying through of these uh, teachings of the mystery schools from ancient Egypt to now bringing forth this movement and guiding hand behind humanity. Right. Well, do you what they're it?
0: saying publicly, that this is what they're telling people, like writing down, like we are trying to do Well, this. who and which? Right. Well, yes, yeah, so the thing
1: is there's... Mali Pihal, you're talking about three different theologies through hundreds of years of time. They're not the same people. They're not the same theologies.
0: I'm talking about Aleister Crowley specifically right now. Yeah,
1: he, he I mean, he picked up and used this idea of like hidden knowledge, secret societies, Gnostic teachings, and he used that combined with Solomonic magic, which was the magic to control the kings of hell to supposedly make the world a better right, place. we talked by... about that ceremony. But here's
0: the thing, though. When you're, if you are, f- let's just say for <laughs> speculation that, you know, by his actions, he seems like he is an arbiter of darkness. And if <laughs> well, you're arb- that's arguable. <laughs> okay. I mean, no, he's done a lot of dark things for sure. Let's just hypothetically say that he is on the side of darkness. What does darkness do? They don't tell you the truth. They don't go, "We're we're here to destroy humanity and corrupt humanity." They say, "We're bringing the demons to help humanity." They lie. They're deceivers. This is what they do. I know, but you're you're jumping into these terms of they and them and I'm this I'm saying anyone that worships like the false god well, well, first god. of all, he
1: didn't worship the he didn't worship a false god, quote unquote. He was a he believed in christian theology he believed in angels he believed he was getting a guardian angel to help him to do these certain things but here but here's the we, difference we talked about this on our episode john, john hits an interesting point and it's the division between the idea of like the traditional christian idea versus the like the idea of lucifer well right? and things so were lot, different back in right what i'm saying Middle is Ages. It, it's now it's more binary but it used to be there was kind of a conflation it seems like a a, a mix of do
0: what thou wilt does that sound christian did you hear the rest of it we, we talked about this. We're going to go back and rest again. Of
1: it? It's do it thou It should be the whole of the law. Unless it hurts other people. Basically. Will under love or something like that. Sounds libertarian if you read the whole quote. Do it though. It should be the whole of the law. Will under love dude, or, just, or love under love under will. This guy. It look, look
0: at his face, man. Look at Did this, you read, dude? Like, look at his. Tell me that,
1: dude. <laughs> yeah. It's like straight, legit. Well, there's a good chance that he was a megalomaniac, and well, for sure, believed a lot of things. Like, I'm pretty sure that some of his rites included, like, whether it was sarcastic or whether it was just hyperbole, hyperbole. He said in one of his books, I'm pretty sure that like the blood of the innocent is the most sacred sacrifice, and whether that means kill, or whether that means just take the blood, borrow the blood, Splitting and use it, use it in a thing. Whenever you're dealing with that stuff, it's it's
0: definitely something to be wary of. Whenever you need to Look sacrifice at him as a young lad, right there. Yeah, he looks very very nice okay i'm not going to go down this road I, it doesn't really matter it's another anymore. topic
1: but he was inspired by the idea of the secret knowledge right, right? And, and the guiding of human Straight destiny Straight out of the bible through the occult mysticism
0: don't <laughs> with anything well then the seeking of the knowledge the infinite like i want to know everything
1: right and that's true i mean the idea that like and that's, I, like I said before, that is the division between what we think about Christianity now and the idea of early Gnostics and some other sects that believe that Prometheus, the bringer of light, Lucifer, was enlightening people. There's this division where some people believe that that was uh, a positive influence for humanity. And there are people that say, like, that's a, a misleading, deceptive quality of the well, serpent the, it's line. It's important I mean, to mention, though, there's a, something in between that where there's a group of people or a group of ideologists or whatever that believed to... Push people towards enlightenment was not looking at the Luciferian aspect of it, but we should enlighten people to push humanity towards the best that they could be. Right, there's all different levels of this, yeah. and we are not esoteric <laughs> scholars, scholars by any which means. Which we should do an episode so we can we can actually study it as opposed to just right. you know. Anyways, this is you know it's interesting to to discuss these ideas and get further down the rabbit hole and hear what you guys out there think. The listeners, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Do you maybe some people out there have some more uh, deeper esoteric knowledge that they would like to share? With, I which want to be cool. Um I wanted to end this episode with one reading. Does this connect with what we're talking about? Yeah, I mean the, the entire episode, like th- there was a really great resource called finding with a lot of good detective work that's tracked down accounts, but the comments are interesting. So this comes from one of the comments on finding My name is Steve
0: Jones from Canada. By I the turn- way, sorry, by the way, don't fix anything if there's grammatical errors. Just read them as they are. All right my name is steve jones from canada i turn to a vampire anytime i want to i become a real vampire because of how many people treat me this world is a wicked world and not fair to anybody at the snack of my finger (laughs) things are made happened am now a powerful vampire and no one step on me without an apology goes free i turn to human being also at any time i want to and I am one of the most dreaded and respected person in my country. I am now also very famous and rich with the help of the vampire's empire. I get whatever I want. I become a vampire through the help of my friend who introduced me into a vampire kingdom by giving me their email. (laughs) (laughs) JamesSuccessfulTemple45 at gmail.com if you want to become a powerful and a real vampire, kindly contact the Vampire Kingdom on their email jamessuccessfultemple45@gmail.com for help. It is real. Contact them today, James Successful Temple. I
1: like that he ends it with "It is real."
0: <laughs> this is
1: one of many amazing comments. Twenty twenty, dude. Yeah, this is this was like last month. There, I mean, they no, were.
0: It was not. It was January twenty twenty. Okay,
1: well, there. I one recently in March was just as. Insane. There was this thread going on about uh, someone who
0: needed help. Should we ask? Should we email him?
1: I think we should. I want to know. So wait, what is he saying? You can become a vampire. If Maybe you we email can There's a lot of comments like. that. There's also you can cure your herpes. That's one of the comments on there. Um, we should
0: get a hold of one and have an interview.
1: That's, interview with that's a vampire. A great idea. <gasps> I'd never heard of
0: such <gasps> an interview idea. with a vampire. That would be awesome, though.
1: I think we could do that. It's funny you mentioned that because there was a a, a comment thread that was going on where someone kept saying, well, their their screen name was, someone help me immediately. That was their screen name. So the moderator seemed to keep asking, how can I help? You seem like you're talking about someone getting hurt, very dark things. Then someone helped me immediately on March 13th at 7 a.m. said, I am very glad to speak to you, and I must again use this as an outlet to contact Saint Germain and his friends. I am in danger of being murdered by several people if Saint Germain does not provide a watched change for my safety and to avoid the continuation of being possessed. The meditation circle has certain individuals pulling off my clothes, which is not okay. What the hell? I was is also going murdered <laughs> three times in a reality shift, which means the first three realities have been discarded with negative life course outcomes. And Elizabeth, in parentheses, this is now the possession talking, was switched into a fourth reality for her safety through the terrible experience of death, dying in three realities. I'm trying everything I can to get New Orleans to ask beings for help, parentheses, vibrational beings, vampires, orange eyed beings, fae-like beings, etc.), but it may take a while. If you would like to help, I really need St. Germain to know I've spoken on this channel. Please contact Elizabeth immediately as God is declaring this watch turning to have the most vital importance in your universe right now. I feel like if you die three times in different realities, you should be able to get to Louisiana. She said like she can't get to New Orleans. Seems like a lesser task. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) Seems like a lesser task. You get killed three times. It's somewhere in there you're gonna like be able to get a bus ticket. Well, and I think it's important that, that you know, the, the mediator is like, how are you contacting me through this? Ch-? She can, this person can write on a message board on the internet. Obviously, navigate the World
0: Wide Web. Can you not Google directions? So to, yeah, rideshare.com. Or, it's a mentally probably deranged human being. Yeah, yeah, there's some interesting folk out there, guys. We got to wrap this show.
1: Let's yeah, wrap it. I think a lot of this is. Um, some sort of RPG play, leaving comments. I'm hoping yeah, it's not I'm mentally sure. unstable people. I'm hoping it's people that are just in some sort of online game. Or it's real. Or it's real. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, there's a lot in here, a lot of information to cover that we, we touched on. The overarching theme of there being this suggested idea, which goes out through history, of a hidden hand, a, a elite brotherhood of knowledge that supposedly has steered the direction of human destiny. Look at Manly P. Hall's writings. We go back to the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Maybe.
0: You get the train at the end.
1: We got the train, train the calling end. us home.
0: Yeah, we, we touched on theosophy.
1: We're just breaching these ideas, which I didn't think the Count of St. Germain was going to take us there. This is a deep topic. I just thought it was weird to talk about like a potential immortal yeah. with some weird anecdotes. But this goes deep. Yeah, it's a weird, weird, deep subject. And I hope that you guys out there Got some interesting information from this. We'll have all the Enjoy links in the show notes. Enjoy
0: your extra long episode. Yeah.
1: Did we mention going to a break?
0: Yeah. If you are not going to be a patron, we will see you in August. Mm-hmm. And for our patrons, we will see you through July.
1: Yeah. If you're not a patron yet, or a member, just go to BlueFull.com, click on the Patreon button. I know I've said this before, but hang in there. We're also going to do some, at least do one live stream on our YouTube channel to stay in touch with you guys and during the break, during this time where we're going to be building up the back end of the show. But well, either way, feel free to reach out to us, email brothers at beliefful.com, go to our website, uh, leave us a comment on Facebook message. Uh, we will get to you eventually. Absolutely, we will respond. And if you're sticking around, if you want to head over to beliefful.com, go to the
0: expansion episode, we will be doing Ouija boards Gone Wild. So we'll see you on the other side. We'll see you later. Have a good, good night. Happy Fourth of July. Goodbye.